news out of the obstacle racing scene want to stay up to date on the freshest info the latest podiums and hear interviews with the who's who and ocr well you've come to the wrong place well some of that you'll find here but we're not the media this is not orm ocm ocrm orcm this is ocr talk Hello, this is Jason Dupree. And Anna Landry. And you are listening to Season 4, Episode 7, 6, something, of OCR Talk. This could be the last episode, at least for a while. And you're probably saying, wait, wait, what? (laughs) You just started this episode and you're going to drop that big news? Yes, um, I'll go ahead and explain it before we get into the episode, because we do have a full, very full episode for you. Uh, with all of the live streaming stuff that I've gotten into, I've found that uh, between a full-time job, you know, family and kids, other hobbies, uh, one of these things needs more focus than the other. So I'm going to give uh, give up on the podcasting for now, and basically just, you know, we're just going to take a break. If we do more episodes later, then great, but if not, uh, you know, then that's fine as well. The, um, the live streaming stuff will get more of my attention since I won't have to focus on, uh, you know, getting episodes out every once in a while, so that's good. And we're excited about that. But, um, yeah, this could be the last episode of OCR Talk you hear for quite some time. Anna, what do you think? At least for a little while. I've also enjoyed getting to travel to these races and cover live coverage because races are back and they're happening and it's exciting and it's fun. Um... And, yeah, it's just great to be out on a course again. So with that being said, please, uh, if you're here, you know, you're, you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I feel like I've not gotten enough OCR talk. Well, strap in because this episode could be. And you're worthy. It could be and you're worthy. <laughs> God knows how long this is going to go. <laughs> I, I thank you for all of those. You know, if if you heard what we just said and thought that's sad, or oh man, or I, well, how dare you? Uh, you know, <laughs> any of that kind of stuff. Thank you, thank you for listening. We don't have a huge uh, listenership, especially in comparison to uh, some of the other episodes. Excuse me, some of the other podcasts, especially even inside of the OCR report. I know. Obstacle Run Adventures gets more um, listeners than we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in all honesty, our downloads per episode is somewhere between 200 and 400, which is, is awesome, but uh, it's not, it's not, I mean, that's like, 
I, I could, I have that many friends, you know, like I could, <laughs> that could be just the people I know. You know? So, uh, they've also been the most consistent podcast though. So I yeah. feel like consistency yeah. is on their side. That's true. And you know, it, we never set out to do this to have a giant uh, fan base or anything. I mean, we didn't do it to have a fan base. We, we just did it because we like, we, we, we want it to have, uh, you know, just a different perspective than some of the other podcasts that were out at the time. And we were just talking about this the other day when we started, you know, that was four years ago when we started, uh, there was still only a small handful of, of podcasts, OCR podcast. That is, you know, I think, um, obstacle running, obstacle racing, obstacle running, running. you know, that podcast, uh, (laughs) World's Toughest Podcast, Overcome and Run, Obstacle Running Adventures, um, Obstacle Dominator. <laughs> Who else? Who else was around at the time? Uh, well, I mean, it's not OCR necessarily, but Rich Ryan still had his podcast then. That was more... Yeah, it's more running related. Performance-based. I mean, um, and I know there was a couple other small... Oh. Uh, I'm a Spartan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got started probably around the same time we did, right? I don't know. I, I or do maybe remember, just before. I do remember listening to them before before we started. Yeah. But, so, yeah, there was, there was, you know, that's like, there might be one or two we're missing, but honestly, like, we can list that off, off the top of our heads, how many OCR podcasts there were at the time. And now... Um, you know, there's definitely several more and, and growing. It's like it's it's always growing. How, how many more they have? We have uh, dogs playing in here, so you might. They're very needy dogs too, so you might hear them a little bit in the background. Apologize. And, and honestly, this is one of the first times that uh, Anna and I have recorded an episode in, in person. Um, outside of like, you know, getting dinner or lunch after a race and recording at the table or, you know, right before, uh, the night before WTM. And, um, one of the topics we're going to talk about is Ragnar and that's why we're here together because we just ran Ragnar. So we do have, you know, it's been a few weeks since, uh, we've recorded and, and we've wanted to record to cover, uh, and talk about a few different things. One being, um, Hildervat. Um, shortly after Hildervat, I ran a small local OCR in Belton, Texas called mm-hmm. Spartacus Dash. And then, actually, even before that, you ran a 12 hour trail yeah. race. Yeah, it was probably the week after our last episode that I ran that 12 hour race. Yeah, and I remember we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. And so you did that, and then I, so we got those three races and Ragnar, which just happened. In Kansas City. And Battle of oh, the Lions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Battle of the Lions, right, well, Kansas City. That's five. <laughs> five races we're going to talk about in this episode. I don't know how long it'll be. <laughs> We've got a full agenda. We are making this, um, you know, worthy of being a. You know, if you don't hear from us from a while, then you've hopefully gotten your fill and thought to yourself, man, I'm so glad they don't make any more. <laughs> 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 uh, 
So yeah, we're in we're in Colorado right now. Now Anna lives here in Colorado, but I came up here for for the race and uh, and the uh, elevation. It's it's something. You know, just walking up the steps to get into the <laughs> to the apartment. I told you to start hydrating two weeks I did. ago. <laughs> I did. I mean. <laughs> Now, we do have, before we get into everything, we do need to give away possibly our last, our last tab can of Performa Lead. So, we've got a, a spinner, and uh, those that, that listen to us know uh, I've always been the one to see the spinner, and then the uh, you know whoever is on the call with me just gets to hear my excitement whenever <laughs> the spinner is done. But now so, I actually get to see it. So we have several. We got a spinner ready to go. We're gonna see who gets this last, and possibly it's last can of performance. Everybody that's messaged us or commented or whatever since our last episode. Commented too? I don't or know if comment? I looked at all the comments. I think I caught all the comments. Okay, we Here think we go. We think we got them all. I What's think, here? I think we got them all. Who's it going to be? What? <laughs> Mark Duplessis. <laughs> there was like, I mean, it's not like there was two names on yeah, there. Yeah, there we was had... like ten, ten names on the spinner board this time. So it was actually quite a deep field compared to what we've had in the past. Congrats, Mark. You're about to get some Perform Elite. Speaking of Perform Elite, uh-huh. they... What is going on with them? <laughs> uh, have you seen how they're, like, running out of stock or something? Yeah, so they're, like, running out of stock. But I, f- I feel like that's par for the course for this whole COVID thing because mm. we've had, like, just like you hear about, like, all the cars and stuff that are having problems with getting parts or chips or something. Um, yeah, I feel like. They're, maybe their distribution centers or their warehouses, their shipping shipping centers, hmm. maybe are getting we're getting a little behind. So I think maybe that's why. Yeah. So it said that they m- could run out of stock here, and mm-hmm. then so like if you don't get something recent, you know, here soon, you won't be able to get, order anymore until August. I August, think. which honestly isn't that long, far from now. But yeah, uh, but yeah, if you don't get like a uh, order in like right now. I, I feel like they've got a few things that are on sale. And maybe they're mm-hmm. trying to really go ahead and just clean that out. Yep. Um, hmm. I know some things are coming down the line too that are being tested, but maybe I don't know what the status of those are either. So, what was the big news out of there recently? It's like they got officially recognized by something. You didn't see that? No. Hmm. My apologies. Bad ambassador. Um, I don't know if it was like, <laughs> I don't think it was like FDA approved or anything. It was something, something. Or maybe it was exciting for them. I'm not oh, sure. Matt Mossman. Which Matt Mossman, honestly, he's really accessible, <laughs> even though you don't think he would be. Yeah. Um, like if you email him, it's on their website. Like, it's actually him who emails you back and answers your questions, and yeah, it's pretty cool. So, if you ever have any questions about their products, just email him. Well, congrats, Mark. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if he's got any right now. 
Well, in either case, send me your new address so I can send you some performance. That's right. <laughs> um, so we are, uh, you know, still part of the OCR report. And really, that's really where this whole thing is, is coming from, because we're looking to do, you know, the OCR, OCR Talk podcast doesn't have a, a huge reach. Our YouTube page doesn't have a huge reach. Really, all of the live streaming we've done has um, been more for testing purposes to kind of get things going. So I did um, the first Battle of the Lions uh, race live coverage by myself. So I did that one as OCR Talk. Mm-hmm. But since I think since Hildervat went so well... Um, you know, Will Hicks is, is ready. Like, let's just go, you know, any live coverage we do, let's let's put it on the OCR report because that's where Will's been doing a great job of, of getting out um, uh, race results, you know, basically day of, like during the weekend, like every race that's happening, which there's quite a few of them going on nowadays. Mm-hmm. Every race that's happening is getting, he's getting the race results out, the maps beforehand, um, getting those on Facebook and Instagram, kind of just making all that information available to everybody. Because even though, you know, you've got Muttering Guide and you've got even the event pages themselves, it's like sometimes it's hard to find the information you're looking mm-hmm. for. Like, Spartan has never really been the best known, like, where's all the... I mean, that's why Jack Bauer does what he does, right? Because yeah. how do you how do you go find who won such and such race uh, you whatever yeah. ever so it's just and even spartan i think don't they still outsource all that to athlinks <laughs> all their results yeah so i yeah. mean you can look there but there's not just like a comprehensive place to, yeah. to go look other than what jack's got and now even age group podiums yeah so uh at least for spartan anyway right so will's yeah really trying out some some cool stuff and so the the race results that are going out, he's got the money board going. That's really cool to to keep track of uh, who is is making the most money out of race winnings for the year uh, across different brands. You know, not just for Spartan and um, uh, age group podiums have been going out too, which is which is really cool. It's so funny to think, you know, we've got the top three of men and women, and we put those those results out. Cool. Um, should we put out top three for every age group? Well, that's a lot of work, but <laughs> what happens when you do that? I, you know, we're going to talk about Spartacus Dash. I got third at Spartacus Dash. So when you put those results out, it's like, cool. It's like, it's fun to see my name on there. You know, it's obviously it's our own page basically, but it was neat to, to see it. So. Uh, and that's the way it, I think it is for everybody. It's just a great way to, uh, you know, even though it's just age group, like people enjoy seeing that, enjoy getting that that uh, recognition. So, be on the lookout for more age group recognition from the SCR report. All right, what that was the first race? Hildervat. 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 <laughs> Hildervat was something. Um, I mean, I'm sure at this point you've probably heard all about it. Uh, maybe you've even watched the live stream coverage from us or from other sources. Um, but it really was, and I mean, from my perspective, it was, it was a great experience. It was just cool getting to get out there and do all that stuff. But the race itself 
was very unique. And I think I think this guy's idea of races in general are not crazy different. Like mm-hmm. not, not, I'm not I'm not talking about the the one that happened, you know, Battle on the Beach, Jacksonville. Just in general. I think he's just looking to do more like Elite Invitationals? No, not or, even that. Like, that happened, so that yeah. was great. But I more, know that's what he talked about whenever he talked to Will. Right, but the, the race itself, mm-hmm. not so the, the whole brand. Because mm-hmm. every race isn't going to have that Invitational. Um, but, you know, this one was on a beach in Jacksonville. The next one's going to be at a lake where you actually, like, are on the beach at the lake. At a uh, lake. At parts of it. So I think he's trying to keep it like this kind of beachy theme, but um, more so, I think it's supposed to be like more destination. Like Jacksonville is awesome because you could be in the hotel and yeah. like walk out, do the race and mm-hmm. just go back to the pool or mm-hmm. hang out. And just So this one, I don't know what the details are for that one, but I think it's supposed to be like these races are going to be cool in a different way. So you're going to want to, you know, like travel to these ones. So um, the idea of, the first one was very different from what anybody's done so far. Um, multi-lap, um, multi-lap race, and and not in the sense of like we do multi-lap yeah. endurance races, like more like elimination style. Well, even even the the regular elites still mm-hmm. it was just five k, mm-hmm. but multi-lap. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know whatever that equals out to. Basically, one mile. Per lap. Okay. Um, so the while the pros had their own things, even the the open and the regular elites still did a um, a loop course, and you had um, a small loop of obstacles that was, I think, half a mile. Mm-hmm. And um, but then you had a, an out and back run that you did, and there was a bucket carry and a crawl at the end of the run. So total, it was like one mile per, per loop. And uh, instead of continuing on to the finish line, you would go over a, uh, a uh, vertical cargo and loop back into the, the, the race where the start line is and uh, go from there. So very, very unique in that sense itself. But then, yeah, the uh, the pros, the, the pro invitational where they had elimination style, um, pro wave, High high stakes money. Um, these these people. It was a six six men, six women. Mm-hmm. So pretty neat, pretty neat that he did that and, and pulled it off. I, I think you know not everything was perfect. Uh, that was their what second race that they've they've ever had. Yeah. So <laughs> understandable. I mean, we've we've talked a ton about how Sid's races have never <laughs> been perfect, but we still enjoy them. So, you know that's 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 okay. Um. So we went, me and um, Will Hicks went and, and did live coverage. And, and and this is where, you know, you probably heard a lot about the race so far, but what we haven't heard about as much is what we did and what that experience was like. So it was pretty neat because at first, it was interesting more, more than anything, at first we had the idea, there's a bar, so the, the, beach, the race is on the beach. Mm-hmm. There's a hotel right, like, in, from where the... The beach is where the race is. So there's a hotel right there, and then across the street from the hotel is a bar mm-hmm. or a restaurant slash bar. 
And so they, we were able to work with them and they were going to give us access to their AV room. And I could have swore. I was like, so it'd be like a, like a room we can sit in with like a table and like a monitor. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is all like me going through, um, Dan to talk to them. (laughs) And then we get there and the AV room is like (coughs) barely enough room to stand in. And it's just server racks is, is really all it is. <laughs> so it was like a closet, basically. Yeah. It was a closet and... Uh, Storage closet. We we could have done the uh, coverage from there, but we would have just been sitting at one of the tables in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. But they didn't open till 11, so it would it's not like it would have been crowded or loud in there. But, kind of funny, what we found out that was that the, uh, the, the internet speed... In the hotel, the Wi-Fi in the hotel was actually better than what was in the... In the restaurant? In the restaurant. <laughs> so, we ended up just doing the uh, live stream from the from the hotel room, which was super cool because we got really lucky and got a, a room right there. And if you, you know, for those that watched it saw, we started it with me and Will standing on the balcony mm-hmm. so you could actually see the beach yeah. uh, behind us, which was pretty cool. And now this, you know, there were still hiccups and issues with with this because it was basically our crew was me and him. Uh, he was doing commentary and I was doing all the production side and commentary. And then camera wise, we had got lucky and got um, Dan Woods is the owner of Hilderbot. He said that he had some camera people for us and. It kind of like the night before, we still didn't know who they were. And we were um, chatting with different people after the uh, the pro, um, whatever. Pro wave? No, the, the night before where they were. Uh, the, like the preview, I guess? Yeah, the where they were telling the pro, like going over the rules and <clears throat> I gotcha. whatever they called that. I forget. The briefing. Yeah, the, there you go. Pro briefing. <laughs> so after that, we were chatting. Um you know, just getting to rub elbows with the pros, which was pretty cool. But uh, Will was talking to VJ, and VJ had a friend of his from, like, when they were in high school. And his friend was, like, I was telling him what we were doing, and he was like, that sounds cool. I'd, I'd help if you need any help. Let me know. I was like, we could use a camera person. <laughs> so this this guy, Jai, he uh, ended up being our main rabbit because we only had one one gimbal, gimbal so I gave it to him. Hmm. And uh, and he did he did awesome um, running all over the place for us. So we had him, and then we had the first day we had one guy that was one of Dan's friends, and then Dan himself did some camera. Nice. <laughs> I don't know why he chose to do that, but <laughs> so we only had three three cameras the first day. The second day, he actually had more of his friends, and um, we had five cameras, I think. So we had Jai running around, and then we had one stationary by the start, and that last rig, we had one by the, um, we actually had one on a tripod, which is pretty cool, hmm. by the uh, cargo, the cargo, slant cargo, yeah. And then, um, I think we had, oh, that's right, we had one down by the bucket carry, and then one more, um, all these other ones didn't have gimbals. We we had them stay still um, over by the two rigs. So it ended up being really cool. Now, one of the hiccups we had was that, for whatever reason, all the other cameras, for the most part, were, like, 
almost perfect quality or in, in connection. Mm-hmm. But Jai's camera, I don't We switched it out with mine. We switched it out with his phone. And for whatever reason, it had issues with, um, with the connection would just, just get weird. Mm-hmm. I was still trying to figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. Did I have too low of bit rate or? We all recording on the lyrics. Yeah. We all are pulling it in. Yeah. So we're using the lyrics. But <clears throat> like I said, it was, I think he had an iPhone and I had an Android phone and then all the other people had iPhones, but theirs were fine. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I still not entirely sure what it was, but. Or maybe it was just location. I mean, that's what I thought is maybe the, the crowd congestion got mm-hmm. to be too much. But like I said, the other cameras were fine, mm-hmm. which was nice because we were able to switch to those cameras even when uh, Jai's was, was having problems. So a lot of learned lessons from, from that. Uh, probably biggest takeaway is that it's better to be at the production machine rather than remoting into it mm-hmm. because the first day we were getting a lot of lag for like what we were seeing versus what we were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we actually learned a, a trick to deal with that basically using uh, the calling system and, and making that um, what we were watching. So what we were watching was more up to date, more, timely with what we were saying so that was that was good and, we, and we've learned you know it, like if i'm at home mm-hmm. what i'm seeing is like if i'm talking about what i'm watching on the screen it's it's perfectly it's time because that's what's going straight to right. um, to youtube but so uh and we'll talk more about the uh, live streaming when, when we talk about uh, battle kansas city and kind of some of the things we did there and lessons learned but um but yeah, Hildervat was really cool, and uh, you know, getting to travel to work a race is definitely neat, different. Mm-hmm. As you know, um, you know, you don't have those pre-race jitters of <laughs> right. you know com- competition and all that stuff. You have to wake up early and eat the right breakfast mm-hmm. and drink your pre-workout at the right time, and yeah. Instead, you just <laughs> stay up late going over all the. <laughs> Technical details about everything. <laughs> all the logistics. And yeah, all and, the, and then you... Um, all the little details. And wake up every hour because you've been dreaming that <laughs> um, that you got started late and the the, 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 the video feed is not working. <laughs> so, yeah. I, 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 I know I told you this, but I, I basically had the same uh, dreams that I had the night before uh, Spartan San Antonio, where it's like... Just all night long, I'm dreaming that that technical wise things are, are messing up. And I'm having trouble getting it to work, and of course, San Antonio the first night, first day was pretty much like that. But anyway, yeah, Hillerva was uh, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed enjoyed doing it. Um, the the pros, you know, I think they you know they were there for the money and they took it in stride with all the issues that arise. And, and there weren't a ton, it was just a few, but, uh, but it was a good, it was a good time. It was cool to see, um, you know, even though we had, uh, who was, Oh, Ray, Ray Omar. Oh, uh, shoot. Yeah. He, he, he yeah. replaced, um, Puerto Rico. He replaced Puerto Rico. Aaron Newell because mm-hmm. Aaron Newell had gotten hurt. Um, and, and obviously it was, you know, it was basically obvious that pretty much obvious that, uh, he wasn't the caliber of the other pros because he did, he did come in last place, but it was really cool to see 
But he, um, kept, he kept up, though. Well, it was awesome to see, I think, his, his level of effort. Like, he yeah. was so excited to be there. Like, it was... I, I think a lot of people were more proud of, of him yeah. and how he handled it than some of the other people. Yeah, because that's a lot of pressure to be put in such a small field of elites where everybody knows all the people you're competing against, but nobody knows you. And everybody's like, who's this guy? Yeah, like, <laughs> like think... Ryan Woods and Robert Killian. I mean, these are guys yeah. that have run won national series and national championships or world championships even. Yeah. And and to think that they weren't at the top. So, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's so crazy because you look at them and it's like you expect this mm-hmm. level of something. But with Ray, there were no expect- ex- expectations. So, mm-hmm. it really was like, I think more people were proud of him. Mm-hmm. Um, for there was like some level of curiosity, and they were they were just proud. Yeah, to see him compete and hold his own against. Yeah, against the elite field, and, and especially the the pro relay was really cool to see how mm-hmm. fast he went out because oh, yeah. it was such a short short lap. There was less for him to uh, yeah less time for him to to fall behind. I guess so. He went out really hard and uh, and and showed that skill that he has. That's good. What was next? Um, what was after Hildervat? Your 12-hour. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. Um, so I did a 12-hour trail race, and it's this um, it's this local trail running company. Um, I, lo- I, I love the race director and his, and his assistant race director. I think it's like his fiancée or his wife or something. But um, anyway... Um, He's just super laid back and like he's just all about like the sport and the community of running. And uh, so he held a 12 hour, a 12 hour and a 24 hour, um, which were very, looked very different um, as far as the events go. So I signed up for the 12 hour and it was up near like Pikes Peak region area. Um, and so what you had to do whenever you checked in was you would check in and then you would reach in this bucket and you would grab a ball and there was several different colored balls and they would correspond to the loop that you had to run. So how how many loops? Uh, I think there was four, there was a green, there was a green, red, blue, and purple loop. I want to say. And so just like Ragnar, but you had to randomly draw what loop you were going to draw next or what loop you were going to run next. And the green loop was the shortest loop, which funny enough was also like my least favorite. (laughs) So just like Ragnar, (laughs) because the green loop was was actually like shorter than Ragnar's green loop, (laughs) but it was in a different, completely different region. But the gr- their green loop was 2.8 miles, and it had just under 600 feet of gain in 2.8 miles. <laughs> so for so, for comparison, Ragnar's green loop had, what, 800? No, no, no 500. Five, 570 in, in 3.8 miles? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so their green loop... I was super happy because I drew a green did, did loop. Did it only go up? Yeah, it never came down? <laughs> no, it, it started <laughs> off going down. So it 
it was like it the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, it was the exact opposite of Ragnar in that like the start finish, you would run a slight downhill whenever you were running out to whatever loop. Oh. And then they had like the colored ribbons that were the color that you were supposed to follow. Hmm. And then um, at the end of the green loop was just this straight like death march up. <laughs> <laughs> and it was terrible because no matter what, to get to the, back to the start finish, you had to climb up. So, um, yeah, that was, 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 it that as- was interesting. It was steeper coming back up than it was going down to it the first time? No, it's the same. So all the loops um, basically went back onto, like, this little stretch going back up to the start finish. Hmm. This but little, that was like, the death, death march? No. <laughs> okay. There was another one coming up. Because the green loop, you went, you ran down, and it's, like, this really pretty, nice single track down into this valley and then you have to like climb your way out of the valley (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) and then climb even further back up to the start finish. Is it uh, uh, switchbacks or is it more straight up? Uh, The green loop was more straight down and then straight back up. Hmm. The, the middle distance loops, like the blue loop and the green loop, or no, not the green loop, the blue loop and Maybe the, maybe there was a yellow loop too. I can't remember. Um, those were around four, four and a half miles. Those were more like switchbacky mm. and stuff. So um, those were quite challenging as well. But they didn't. It was more like you got breaks in between the climbs. <laughs> so at least there was that. Um, but. It was my first race close to 10,000 feet of elevation, and I feel like I struggled with it because mm. I felt I felt like I was having, like, stomach issues the whole time, like nausea. You said it was at Pikes Peak? Um, or just in that area? Adjacent. Okay. So, Pikes Peak, like, we had a view of Pikes Peak the whole, oh, the whole okay. race. Cool. And um, we started, and it was all foggy. And it was cold, and we thought it was going to be sunny and 60 degrees. And then, like, literally three minutes before the start, the skies cleared, and the sun came out, and everybody started shedding their layers. (laughs) (laughs) Like, three minutes before the start. And, like, this is such, like, a a grassroots, like, trail running series that the... uh, the race director like does his little start line announcements and he's like, okay, go. (laughs) And that's the start, you know, (laughs) like, like go like start. (laughs) And everybody's like, just kind of looking around for a second. And then we all go. (laughs) So the 12 hour, the 12 hour was just us like drawing colored ping pong balls out of this bucket. Oh, there was also a black ball. Which was interesting because this reminded me of World's Toughest. Because if you drew a black ball, you had the option of doing a challenge. And if you were successful at doing the challenge, then you got to pick the color of your next <laughs> loop. So they had they had operation set up. The, the, <laughs> the game. game. Yeah. They had operation <laughs> set up. Um, what's that one where you have to put the shapes into their corresponding things the before trouble? they all before they all like I don't know, I can't remember the trouble? name. No. Maybe. Uh, I don't no, know. trouble is like sorry. 
Uh, shoot. I, I can't remember the name. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you have to put, like, the shapes into yeah. the corresponding holes. Timer. Yeah, and there's a timer. And then if the timer runs out, then they all come out of their holes or whatever. Damn, and then like, they had Jenga. I'm the commercial. In my yeah. Head and I can't quite. <laughs> and then they had Jenga. <laughs> and they had a version of. Wait, what was the challenge for Jenga? Just, like, to get one. You had to, like, pull five oh, okay. things without it toppling over. <laughs> um, which not very many people pulled that but there was also beer pong <laughs> set up um and yeah you if to drink any no oh. <laughs> you just had to get you were given there was several cups set up and you were given like several balls okay. enough to go in each cup and you had to like knock out each cup and mm. if you couldn't knock out each cup then you lost the challenge and you... You just drew randomly. Yeah. And um, what else? Oh, <laughs> they made a gallery of... There was one... They had a table of judges that were sitting there um, uh, at the table where you drew the balls and they were keeping the time. And they were pretty much like race judges or race directors or whatever. And so they had this one challenge where you had to draw... You had to draw them at the table. <laughs> so you had to draw caricatures of them. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. On what? Like on a whiteboard? On like or? a piece of cardboard that they had randomly. <laughs> so um, That's pretty wild. Yeah. So there was that. I never drew a black ball. So I never, mm. I never got to... Uh, Did you get to see any of the drawings? <clears throat> yes. They put them on display after people <laughs> drew them. Um, so yeah, that was, that was like super interesting. So that was a 12 hour, but the 24 hour people, the 24 hour people, there was only nine of them that signed up for the 24 hour and they were all like legit trail runners and they had to draw a corresponding pace ball. So how the 24 hour was different was that, um, the race director pulled their loop and their pace. So they didn't get to choose <laughs> what loop they were drawing next. Basically at the beginning of the race for the 24 hour people, um, he drew like their first loop was a red loop and they had to, oh, he, so it was, it was one pull. Yeah. Where, where you guys, it was mm-hmm. everybody drew individually. Right. Okay. But for the 24 hour people, the race director, um, the race director pulled their their loops. So I think for the first loop, they had to finish the red loop, which was like a seven-mile seven loop. And they had to finish it. The average pace had to be like 17 to 17.30. So they basically had to finish before a certain time because the 17.30 pace was their cutoff. That is right? funny that they did it pace-wise instead of just saying you got to be done in yeah. this kind of time. Yeah, because I think originally they thought that more people would sign up maybe for the 24-hour. So they were just going to run it f- just like the 12-hour. But then I think logistically and personnel-wise, like you can't keep up with that many runners and keep track of that many paces so to said, make sure everybody's hitting their paces. Yeah. You so it's just about- easier. About nine mm-hmm. 24 hour people? How many 12 hour? Uh, there was like 50 something 12 hour okay. people. <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot. Yeah. So, 
Uh, yeah. So there was only one man standing after the 24 hour. Wow. And, um, he was actually able to finish this 24 hour and he finished like 88 something point something miles. And I mean, these loops were not easy. All right. So, oh yeah. Well, I guess elevation wise. Mm -hmm. Well, even just like incline wise too, just the, the courses that they, uh, that they picked. Obviously we know, you know, just straight up trail running wise, we Mm -hmm. know people can have. Uh, do some pretty crazy. What's the any idea what the world record for twenty four hour running is on a trail? Well, it just wherever, just like as a comparison or mile wise. Yeah, just mile wise. Because I know there's like several several records that stand for like most miles completed in twenty four hours, or and I think it's like a hundred and thirty something. I don't know. Okay. In 24 hours? Yeah. But that's also, like, on a track. Sure, sure. <laughs> So. And this had, obviously, like, especially with that green, had some pretty good elevation. The green had some good elevation. The red, even though it was seven miles and it had the most elevation gain, um, I heard was everybody's favorite. was mm. the pretty much the general <laughs> consensus because it had the better views, but it also, the elevation was, like... 1700 something feet of elevation gain over how long over 7.3 miles or 7.7 so that that does sound more than i mean in comparison wise we'll talk about ragnar ragnar was 6.3 or 5 something like that um and it was only 1100 feet Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you're talking about adding another mile but another an extra 500 feet mm-hmm. of elevation over that. Yeah. Mile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this place was Mueller State Park. And it, like I said, it's Pikes Peak adjacent. But if you ever want to check it out, their trails are really good. It's It was like gravel trails. So they're like very well groomed. Not like super rocky, not super technical. Um, very well groomed, very well cared for. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so I ended up over 12 hours, like, and like I said, I was dealing with like a lot of weird, like GI issues that I've never encountered before. Like I was even texting Kathleen during my, during my race and I was like, my, my hands are swelling. I've never had this before. And like, I just feel nauseous. I don't know if it's the elevation and just like trying to push myself at elevation and, um, you know, she just kept telling me to hydrate and everything. And I kept trying to just hydrate with just water and it wasn't really working. And so like Kathleen, who will come back to yeah. because she ran, she ran Ragnar, Ragnar with us. Yeah. So you'll hear more about her. <laughs> so is it better to, I mean, you're saying you're having what you were thinking of being hydration issues. Mm-hmm. Is it better to stick to just straight water or go with I something think so. with? Like, why wouldn't you use something with electrolytes, though? Because I think, so, I I think whenever, compared to running up here and compared to running in the south, like, I just used to sweat. Like, you know, how it's like, just, mm-hmm. you just walk out your door and you're already sweating and you're mm-hmm. already drenched. But, like, here, you don't really notice that you're sweating. And you may not even sweat that much, but just being at elevation, uh, you get dehydrated so much quicker. 
Like, I think they said, at, like, a mile high, you lose, like, I don't know, like, a meter of water or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. Something crazy like that. Um, so, I think just the dehydration factor with just just hydrating with water is sufficient. Because I will say that this past weekend, I hydrated with strictly water most of the time. And I felt better than I did at that 12-hour race. Okay, so I did probably more so uh, electrolytes mm-hmm. versus just straight water. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you know if that's ad- ad- adverse to doing just straight water? Or is I it, don't think so. Is I it, mean, <laughs> I think, honestly, I think it's just... Can you put too much electrolytes in your body? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because that's what I thought was happening whenever I started swelling. Mm. I thought that's what was happening was that, like... I was just taking in too many electrolytes, maybe too much salt, and that's why I was swelling. So I stopped the water, or I stopped the electrolytes, and I think it was uh, it was just that it was too late. <laughs> hmm. And I also feel like my vest had a little bit of something to do with that. Um, because I tried to treat this 12-hour race like we do toughest. Like, you know, you just get in dry your ball, get out before you can ever even think of sitting down. (laughs) And because my mentality was like, if I draw a ball right at right when I finish, then I know which loop I'm going on. So if I just, uh, restock on whatever fuel, whatever energy stuffs I need, then neighbor's dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, then, if I get back out on the trail, then it's too late for me to be like, oh, maybe I should stop, you know, <laughs> like maybe I shouldn't go out for another lap. But um, luckily I was able to uh, hook up with this one couple and do like a nice, like casual walking loop with them um, and did a little bit of jogging with them. And even whenever I was like hiking and just doing a little bit of light jogging with them, I was still having like really bad nausea issues. So that's why I called it early because <laughs> my stomach was just being. Crazy. So how, how, uh, how long did you go? I went, uh, I think I stopped three hours short. Yeah. Three hours short because I figured, I figured um, at the end of that loop that I had finished with them, if I drew a red or a purple loop, those were both seven to seven and a half miles long. And if even if I had just hiked those loops, then I probably wouldn't have made cutoff. So if you didn't finish your loop before cutoff, then that loop doesn't count. <laughs> so I wasn't willing to risk like, being nauseous and hiking seven and a half miles mm. and it not counting towards my total mileage. So, I mean, I ended with less than a 50 K, which was like not quite where I wanted to be. But at the same time, I felt like I learned a lot about like how I needed to hydrate and fuel and mm. better prepare myself <laughs> for higher elevation races. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. But I really like, and the 50 miler that I have lined up in uh, July is with the same running series. So I know they're 
races are not easy. <laughs> how, so. how was uh, the temperature for that race? You said it um, it was cloudy at first, but then got sunny yeah. before y'all started. It was beautiful. Um, it, it probably stayed. This was end of May, I think. Or towards the end of May. And um, whenever the sun came out, it was still, it wasn't, the the trail itself was very shaded. There was like, it was a, basically a forest. Hmm. So we had a lot of shaded areas. Nice. Yeah. So we had a lot of cover. And um, it rained. It wanted, like, up in the mountains, it's weird because you can almost see the weather forming in the clouds. <laughs> so you can you can see um, like a storm coming. And I really thought that we were about to get hit with like a big rainstorm, which it did sprinkle a little bit and it did get cold for a little bit, but it wasn't bad. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it actually wasn't as bad as this past weekend at Ragnar where I was like wrapped up in my dry robe and like shivering. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so yeah, y'all, what time did y'all start? We started at 8 a.m. Uh, do you remember what the temperature was throughout the day? It was like 60s, 70s. Okay. But like low 70s and higher humidity because we had a higher chance of rain mm. that day. And we could see like the cloud storms. Forming. Yeah. The, of course, we'll talk more about Ragnar, but the, the crazy thing to me is the difference of how the cold and the heat feel here versus other places. Like when I think the temperature is 70 degrees in Louisiana versus Mm -hmm. in Texas versus honestly anywhere in the, the East side of the country (laughs) versus how it feels here. 70 degrees with sun is crazy hot here. (laughs) I don't, it's so weird. Which, where we were in Aspen, I honestly feel like a lot of it, I mean, we were exposed. Like, we didn't have any cover at all. Yeah. And so, to be up this high and have no cover, which is probably why I'm sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like the third time I've been sunburned in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, for that race, you said there there was more coverage. Yes. Um, a lot more. <laughs> So, so the temperature, I guess if the temperature was, you know, nice, uh, mm-hmm. it, it probably wasn't as bad. Yeah. And honestly, like the, the downhills, I really wanted to run the downhills. And every time I tried to run the downhills, I would get really like nauseous. Mm. It was weird. Like I'd never experienced that before. I know we've talked about it. Because I've dealt with it a lot. Yeah, you've dealt with it a lot. And then I think in our group chat, Will was just talking about, yeah. like, have you ever felt like you were going to puke while you were running? And I'm like, I've literally never felt that. But then I was like, okay, I can relate to that now. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally relate. Yeah. <laughs> totally relate to it. And probably just going to be better at hydration. <laughs> so that was my lesson learned from that. And I met, like, a lot of really cool people, and I got to talk with uh, the race director and his crew, and, I mean, they're, like, a really, really awesome crew. So, like, um, I think they have races in Colorado, California, and Arkansas, so just random, I don't, I don't know about 
the Arkansas thing, which is randomly. I think they just like acquired it from another race director over there. Mm. But it's um, Human Potential Running Series, and I highly recommend their events because they're pretty awesome to work with. I mean, I, I never really thought about it before, but Arkansas seems like it'd be a great place to have some yeah. races. Yeah. I mean, Arkansas, although it's, you know, it's not the Rockies, it's yeah. uh, those Ark Mountains are, are nice. Yeah, there's still some mountainous regions over there. I have uh, I have gotten to run. You know, I've done a lot of camping in, in mm-hmm. Arkansas, but I have uh, did some some running while I was working out there at one point. So there, there's some good good stuff out there. Yeah. Huh. Um, so hydration wise, I I would love to know more about it. My what I've experienced so far, obviously mm-hmm. with my hydration issues, is I feel like I personally have to just do it more like yeah. it's simply <laughs> i don't do it enough yeah and then i get myself in trouble yeah so is it is you know you're, you're talking about i mean there's 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 hydration like the fluid itself but then mm-hmm. there's also elect- electrolytes that help maintain the hydration right like we your water retention yeah do you know any of the science behind this yeah so um, the good rule of thumb that I know a lot of my doctors follow and a lot of, um, my nurse friends follow is like good rule of thumb for hydration is your body weight in kilograms. Um, which, so. But still you're talking about amount, amount of fluid, right? Like you're about to say. Right. If I'm like weight. 59 kilos then that should be the amount of fluid ounces that I take in during the day just to maintain. Just normal normal right. daily activity. Right, just just to maintain. So that's like almost 60 ounces of fluid, which is roughly like, you know, we all used to hear about like the 8-ounce eight eight, eight glasses eight, of water. Eight cups a day. Yeah, uh, which is about what? Close to that. Yeah. So that would be like 64 ounces, fluid ounces of water a day, which some people might need more because their body mass is higher. But um, and, and a gallon is what, like 128 ounces? I think so. So that's that's really double what you necessarily need. Right. And then they always say, you know, look at your pee. Yeah. <laughs> which could be affected by a number of factors. Like if you're taking vitamins – vitamins will turn your pee bright, bright yellow. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm dehydrated. But no, it's just the vitamins. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, and then if you're an athlete and you work out a lot, then obviously that hydration intake has to be a lot higher because you're sweating a lot more. Yeah. But then whenever – so I've heard a few things about, like, sweat tests and how much you – how much you sweat during – exercise to like get sweat tested but like not everybody has time for that <laughs> so all right and so that's, what does that do so if you get sweat tested what what, what do they do in those? it's like essentially seeing how much sodium you're using or you're you're expelling during exercise so that like you know what your sweat rate is <laughs> do you know how how they how do they test it i have no clue i honestly. need to do this <laughs> No clue. I don't, and I think it's like an expensive test, mm. and it's it's like one of those things. Like, 
like pro athletes obviously have access to it because that's what they do for a living. Just like VO2 max testing, mm-hmm. like legit VO2 max testing. Um, <laughs> so I don't, you know, I just, I just feel like if you're, if you know you're going to be racing or working out in a really hot area of the United States, and you know you're going to be sweating a lot, then you probably have to mix in some electrolytes with your hydration, especially if you're having cramping issues um, or maybe even GI issues. And I think that's part of the reason why, like, you have to test out everything before you race. Because you have to know what works for you and what doesn't and what might relieve your cramping and what doesn't. Um, so, so weird. Uh, one of the things I've dealt with whenever I get dehydrated is I, I honestly feel like I don't want to eat or drink more. Same. Like my stomach gets so weird. It's mm-hmm. like, it not doesn't know what it wants. Right. So, um, and we've had times at, at world's toughest where it's like, I need to eat food, but mm-hmm. I don't want to. Yeah. Um, and I think what I've found is that I have better luck trying to eat something that's not sweet because mm-hmm. it's like almost like the sweet will, my, my body's telling me, no, don't like, I, that's going to make it worse. Like I just, even the thought of eating, you know, a cookie or something like that just <laughs> makes me want to be sick. Yeah. Um, but eating sweet stuff, I mean, salty stuff, salty stuff seems to, to do better. Um, so even thinking like, you know, Javier running, eating off of eating pizza. And Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. So like and the wings. pizza is a lot of sodium uh-huh. and uh, not so Carbs much sweet and, stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it seems like you get dehydrated. It's not simply just, uh, and, and I, I experienced this for Ragnar this weekend. It's mm-hmm. not just simply you're dehydrated, but what else does your body need? Right. There are there are possibly some other factors there that uh, you know if you're just simply trying to eat goose through an entire race, maybe that's not what your body needs. Maybe you need something more substantial. I know I, I for short fast races I like to have my stomach empty because if I'm if I've kind of got a full stomach and I run hard, um, feel it, it it feels heavier. My stomach will like burn. You know, it almost feels <laughs> yeah. like it's hot. Like, yeah. It's a weird feeling, but uh, it's it drags me down a lot. Yeah. But if I'm going to go any longer than, uh, you know, 30, 45 minutes, shoot, I don't even want to think about running that hard at 45 minutes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, going any, any longer than that, i rather just, you know, just, just think endurance. you got to take it mm-hmm. slower, and, um, you know, your body needs something in, in, in it. So... Yeah, I think beyond 30 or 45 minutes, I'm always taking something. Um, whether it's, like, just a swig of water or it's a swig of water with, like, sustainably or some noon in it. Or um, I've kind of gotten away from the goose just because, for whatever reason, they just stopped working out for me. They mm. just, like, they didn't sit on my stomach. Well, they just, like, the whole, like, consistency... <laughs> in the mouth thing like it just made it, it it like took me longer to get it down and whenever you're running a race and you're like smacking your mouth trying to get down a goo like <laughs> it 
it just didn't work out for me, and that's why I like the chews, I think. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, they're the same same concept, right? Except they're in, like, gummy form. Yeah. And um, from Kirk and Bracken's podcast, I was listening and just chewing on one and, like, holding it in my cheek, even though it's probably not best for my dental health. Sure. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just holding it, you know, in there, it makes it last longer. And yep. it doesn't, it's not, like, stuck in there like a big ball of syrup mm. in my mouth, you know? Um. Miles yeah. Keller always said to do that, mm-hmm. to just stick one in there and let it like a slow yeah. drip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's, but yeah, anything beyond 30 or 45 minutes, I always feel like I, I need to be taking in something. Um, and I always, before I moved up here, I always, and started having these weird GI issues with longer races, I always like went by the, uh, went by the principle of like, if I come up on an aid station or I come in the pit and like, that's what I want. That's like my body's way of telling me that's what it needs. Like if my body is telling me I like to grab a handful of potato chips, like maybe it needs simple carbs and salt. Mm. Or if like, I want something sweet, then maybe that's what my body's needing. But I'm like having to relearn all of this <laughs> all over again. It feels like I wish it felt that simple to think I want because that's my trouble is that you get into a point to where it's like your body doesn't want anything. Exactly. Yeah. What is that? Why? Why does your body want to reject everything when it's in trouble? Probably because it's that fight or flight <laughs> like response of the body. You know, like. It doesn't know what you're doing to it <laughs> whenever you're involved in these long endurance efforts. So your body's like, what the heck are you doing to me? I don't, I'm going to conserve all my energy and like conserve my resources mm. and try to self-preserve. And I think maybe that's why like it's your body's way of trying to tell you to stop whatever you're do- <laughs> oh, yeah. doing. <laughs> because it's hurting or you're suffering and it's like that governor that's mm. in your brain that's telling you to stop but then you want to keep going and push past it <laughs> yeah. so you can like raise that limiter again <laughs> just a little bit more yeah even this weekend i felt like the more i ate the better off i was yeah even if yeah. even if you didn't want it like even if it was just like something simple yeah like those uncrustables or those cherry pies like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cherry. Uh, I got way more junk food than I sh- <laughs> should have got instead of getting some good substantial stuff. But the um, the cherry pies actually worked really yeah. good. <laughs> That's why I always go for the Uncrustables because at least it has like peanut butter in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right, so you you did the uh, the twelve hour race. You yeah. got got a little sick. Had, yeah. had some trouble with it. Um. But fueling lessons. Yeah. I know we've alluded to Ragnar, but before we get into that, uh, what so was before that? the next race was Spartacus Dash. Yeah. At um, in Belton, Texas. This is a race that me and my family have done since we moved up to Texas. They've this they've had it for ten years, I think. I wow. want to say this is their tenth year, which is crazy to think that they started. You know, basically when. Spartan started, mm-hmm. um, but it's a charity race that a a company um, 
It's ASCO construction equipment, maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but anyway, it's it's people within their company decided let's do a, a charity raise, mm-hmm. and so they raise money for whatever charity they decide on that year. And they've been doing it, you know, all these years, and they keep making it better and better. So we found out about it, you know, five years ago, and uh, it's been uh, we've, we've gone every year, and it's really cool because I'll run. It, it's a short race. It's usually like two point eight miles somewhere in there and it's in this local um local park in there and the park it's cool because there's a there's like a spot that's a park and but then there's a river uh that flows uh down through there and um the park there's different pieces of the park all the way along so there's um sidewalk trails through there and the race runs all the way along that river and then you go uh, at the far end over this bridge, and then there's a spot where you usually do a water slide and some mud pits, and then you come back over the bridge and like basically it's it's basically an out and out and back. But if the depending on the water level, it's always been uh, you go through the river a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I say river, it's you know probably some people would more consider it a creek than anything, but. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really fun race that they've really stepped up the obstacles every year. They'll always either add one or um, you know just change change things up. So it's it's really neat to see how they've progressed over the years and changed. And while there are some people running competitively, it's mostly just for people to get out there and have a good time. Um, so I'll go run the first wave competitively and then run with my family afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it's a great weekend. Like we've loved doing that each year for like. Let's get a hotel or an Airbnb and just make a you know a fun weekend out of it. What area of Texas? It's just south of Waco. Okay. So, um, not quite to Austin mm-hmm. uh, from from Dallas. It's from Fort Worth. It's it was about two two and a half hours. Um, yeah. So, it pretty neat. Uh, pretty neat race. Really cool. They they've done a good job with it every year. There's no like. You know, you think of all these different races that have, there's always some kind of little discrepancy, but there's mm-hmm. never been any real issues. Um, one of the neat obstacles that they have each year uh, is a zip line that goes over the, the river. Mm-hmm. And they used oh, to have it fun. where it was part of the, like, part of the normal race. Like, mm-hmm. actually, it was actually towards the end. So you would <laughs> get to it, you know, after running two and a half miles. And, uh, it was tricky because they, they've got this weird setup where it's like they've got these um, lifts. Uh, I can't think of what kind of machines those are. but uh, Like forklifts? Yeah, but bigger. Um, so the, and, Like the bucket lift? Kind of like that. It's very similar. Uh-huh. So on the end of that, like on the end of the bucket, there's uh, these contraptions, I guess, that they have built to where they've got a bicycle wheel. Mm-hmm. And the wire, the wire is hooked on to something else, I guess, so it's nice and sturdy. Mm-hmm. But then the bicycle wheel has a line on it that's attached to the the apparatus that you hang on. Mm-hmm. And it's a little seat you sit on, so it's not dangerous. But um, so after one person goes down, they use a, a, a drill gun to wind back up the 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 wire that goes on the uh, bike wheel. Hmm. So it's, uh, there's only so many of them. So that's, 
that was a discrepancy. That was a small discrepancy in the past is where when you get to that point, are they are, are there people already there? Mm -hmm. You know, like, do you have to wait in line basically? Mm -hmm. And so they've kind of not on purpose, but by necessity fixed that because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So, um, they ended up their their race is usually like in, in May. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID, 2020, they pushed it to October and still had the race, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Um, but to help socially distance people, they did it to where the start was actually at the zip line. Mm-hmm. So that actually helped space people out because only so many people oh, can go at a time. Yeah. It's a good idea. So not only that, but they made it to where the start line, the start timing timing mat mm-hmm. was after the zip line so you did the zip line you get off and then you run like you hop up a little thing and then that's where the timing mat starts so your time didn't actually start until after you did the zip line which helped with the other issue from do i get there and there's somebody about to go and i gotta wait so uh it kind of kind of funny how covid like fixed the one problem they had um, and just force them to deal with it by necessity. So I thought that was that was really neat. Um, so they've done it now twice where they've had it to where you do the zipline first. Mm-hmm. So which only ba- drawback to that is it makes it uh, chip time instead of gun time. Yeah. So you, you you don't know you know I'm running as hard as I can, but I don't know if it's fast enough right. because I can't <laughs> see the competitors because right. they may have ran before me or after me. Yeah. So. But we did that uh, just here in, you know, middle, middle, end of March, end of May, end of May. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was a good time. Again, uh, we I ran first. I got um, third. I got third behind an older gentleman in second mm-hmm. that I, I, I swear I've seen him. Like, mm-hmm. I think he does Spartan and stuff. And then the first place guy... Uh, he won the year before, mm-hmm. and I recognize that because he's actually won more times than that. But <laughs> I recognize it because I got second last year mm-hmm. back in October. Um, so I thought to myself, this year, I was like, all right, this year I can really try and go out and try and see if I can win it this time. But, man, that dude, he's too fast for me. <laughs> uh, I, I got third, like, I want to say I was like 20 to 30 seconds behind the other second place. And then first place was like three minutes, three mm-hmm. minutes ahead of me. So he was, you know, the dudes. And Best. he said he fell off of the uh, slip wall, <laughs> not slip wall, the Z wall. What? And did 15 burpees and he still was 15 minutes ahead of me. Is that it? So their, their obstacles aren't anything. Um, so this was the second place guy or the first place? The first place guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I was gonna say I was looking at the results from. <laughs> oh, so yeah, Josh Champ. He, yeah. he actually, uh, I mean, he's obviously got some good speed on him. Yeah. Um, so it, it was uh, kind of crazy to think that he he beat me even after falling off an obstacle. Their obstacles, they don't have a lot of hard stuff. Yeah. They basically got um, in the past. Really, the only hard obstacle that they had was a. Um, like a vertical rope wall, mm-hmm. and and that's really it. That's, that was the only like really failable obstacle they had. But now they've got so they've got that one. 
they've got some some new monkey bars that's like inver- in, uh, inclined to decline monkey bars. Mm-hmm. And uh, really the only other big obstacle that they have is, oh, there's a rope climb. They had a rope climb this year, too. So that was obviously failable. Um, and so that yeah. was new for them? Yeah, the rope climb was new for them. Yeah. Um, and they have a, a big A-frame cargo net. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so funny. You know, this is not... This is not Spartan. This is not like people who are doing obstacle races every weekend. Right. So whenever you go and do a flip on the top of the A-frame cargo, you always get some, whoa, or wow, and you get some reactions out of that. That's um, always fun. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I was looking at those times, though. That Josh Champ guy, he only beat you by like a minute. 40. No. What? Yeah. No. His, his time was 28.01, and your time was 30.51. So that's, almost three minutes. Oh, yeah. I guess that's two and a half minutes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, not quite. Uh, <laughs> not, yeah, not quite that close, but. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. So the Z-Wall is failable, too, but, like, that's what I was going to say is that I've never had any issues with any of their obstacles. Uh, yeah. I, I I I've not failed any of them after five but there years. Was some, there there was still some like people that showed up to the race that haven't necessarily raced their race, like Miranda Huber. Yeah, it was for the women's side. It was interesting. I've never seen anybody else I knew at this race until yeah. this year. Yeah, and then and I saw AC and Miranda, and I actually saw a couple of other people that I've. Like, when we go to uh, Spartan Austin and mm-hmm. camp out, like, some mm-hmm. people that I've seen from there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. Which is good. It's good that this race has been around for a while. I mean, it's just a one once-a-year race, so yeah. it's it's awesome. And, and they're, you know, they're raising money for whatever charities good they're cause. deciding on. So, yeah, good causes. <laughs> so, that's good. Um, I, I like the, that kind of stuff, those kind of races. There used to be one in Longview that I would uh, I went to t- two years in a row, and I can't remember what uh, the dogs are going nuts. <laughs> I can't remember what charities they did it for, but I would go and um, run it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> calm down. Too much. I would go run it as a multi-lap, uh, basically training for uh, for other races. For like Spartan Austin or something. Because I, I think I remember you talking about that race in Longview. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It, again, like not really hard obstacles, but just good to get some training in. Basically more like put mileage on your feet kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Dog, we're, we're trying to do something. <laughs> what are y'all doing? Why now? <laughs> You're both so mean. <clears throat> yeah, so Spartacus was cool. Um, if you if you are looking for a race, you know, obviously with uh, races being as many as they are nowadays, yeah. um, which I feel like that's probably why they had a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> they had a lot of people sign up for that race because, like, races, like I said, races are happening, and yeah. like people are going to sign up for whatever races. People are getting are, excited. Are on. <laughs> Why won't they stop? I don't know. It's so 
crazy. Stop it. <laughs> toy. Look, toy. Yeah. Nope. Oh. It's that one. It's that one's fault. <laughs> it's that one's fault. <laughs> <Yeah>, instigator. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey. <laughs> there you go. Come, come stab me in the neck with your claws <laughs> instead of fighting the other one. So after, oh my goodness. <laughs> We're going to have a whole dog fighting section part of this podcast. <laughs> so after um, Spartacus Dash, we were going to talk about Ragnar, and then we didn't. We never got around to it. So we had Ragnar. So Ragnar happened uh, just uh, today. We finished yep. up. <laughs> it's still. But before that was KC. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Battle of the Lions. Getting ahead myself. <laughs> she just looks I thought if like... we got silent, maybe they would stop. I know. <laughs> Come here. Calm down. So, yeah. Uh, Battle of the Lions had their second race in Kansas City. And you... Which was totally, yeah, it was totally impromptu because I had a free weekend and I was like, hey, why not? It was an eight-hour drive. Yeah, which is funny, and I'll discuss this for a moment. Um, I actually asked in the, the groups if anybody was um, able to be yeah. a camera person for yeah. the race. And while there was conversation around it, nobody actually offered up. And this is a interesting topic to me because... Obviously, we're not doing this for money. Yeah. We don't have money to offer somebody. Right. Now, I was, because David and Sid are awesome, I was able to say, if you, you know, live stream, if you become a camera person for us, you get a free open mm-hmm. wave race. So, you can hop in and run the, uh, the course later. But, again, nobody had uh, stepped up. Um, hey, does that mean I get a free uh, entry into... Oklahoma. Well, I told you. Actually, I asked. I thought you were going to run the course in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, yeah. Planned. So, yes. I'm Planned. pretty positive. If you, yeah, want differently. To, if you want to run one of them, you can. Uh, so, yeah. So, to cover it, you ended up being able to go, mm-hmm. uh, which was, was kind of last minute. Yeah. And we so much fun though. We covered the race with me at my computer at home, mm-hmm. and you just on you know with your phone. Mm-hmm. So we did it as a two person crew, and um, I did some overlay graphics, but also did some commentary with you, which was really cool because the way we did it, you had an earbud mm-hmm. in from your phone, and. Um, while there was a slight delay, you could hear me, and then, of course, I could hear you through the camera. Mm-hmm. So we were able to have some some back-and-forth uh, commentary uh, just like that. So um, not that that's like the way, you know, the professional setup, you want to have people dedicated to each task. You right. want to have people that are the commentary people and people that are the camera people. people. But for just having two people... I think we pulled it off, um, you know, decently well. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the only downfall to this one was what I wanted to look at, and I was basically testing was bit rate wise, not bit rate latency wise. Yeah. Uh, at at Hildervat, we did 
we did a a thousand milliseconds, Mm -hmm. which is basically a second. Mm -hmm. And of delay. Yeah. And like I said, I had issues with one camera, but not the other ones. It was so weird. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and really what you're looking for is the ping time. So when, Mm -hmm. when you're trying to communicate from a phone to a computer over the internet, over cell signal, what is the travel time for that information? Mm-hmm. And I can actually see that from my end. So typically you're looking like, you know, depending on where you're at in the world, you're looking at, you know, somewhere between 20 and 60 milliseconds is, is, is good. Um, so that, that is what we were seeing. But then when the race started, it's almost like it, it there was a lot of spikes Mm-hmm. So when things would spike, I ended up, we ended up using a latency of, uh, it might've been only 200. I don't remember if it was 200 or 500. It was low, mm-hmm. uh, lower than what I've used before. So it ended up uh, being kind of glitchy looking mm-hmm. at times. And I think that's, that's why, but what I was seeing was spikes in the latency. It was the, the, the ping, the, the round trip time of information. So it was very weird. There was also a lot of people in that area using their, yeah. their cell phones. And, and that's what I wonder is like, is just the crowd. I mean, I've heard that before that, you know, a crowd of people all using cell phones, like mm-hmm. the, the cell phone coverage actually can get crowded. Yeah. So maybe that was part of it. Because like they're all trying to bounce off of the same cell towers at the same time. Yeah, it's like when we were testing before the race, not as many mm-hmm. people were there. Yeah. And then the race starts and everybody's there. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you have uh, all the people at the race. Yeah. Not just the spectators, but the people working the race, too. Right. Trying to communicate with each other. So, yeah, it was uh, definitely a good learning experience that, you know, in that kind of situation, you only have got one camera, and that's yeah. it. And uh, you can't switch off of it as it's not working. So, yeah. I, I think really the, the best setup is to have commentators that are looking at the live footage instead of trying to communicate with the mm-hmm. camera people. Because it's a lot more instant. Yeah. So even if it's, you know, even if it's a two second delay from the camera. Yeah. When you're, and we saw this with Hilderbot the first day, if you're trying to talk about what you're seeing and it's two seconds, Mm -hmm. it seems like forever with what you're watching versus what you hear people are talking about. Like they said that that happened. uh, Yeah. Two seconds doesn't (laughs) seem like a lot, but it it is. Yeah. So. When you're talking about live coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One thing though is cool though. What we're able to do, and that we're not seeing anybody else do, is uh, live replays. Yeah. Pretty neat to be able to to mark a spot in time. And of course, this is all like this is dependent on who's pr- producing. To like all the to, highlights to, that we've been able to. Yes. Yeah, so, well, to be able to say, you know, I'm, I'm watching the different cameras mm-hmm. and I'm switching between those, and, and in uh, Battle KC's mm-hmm. uh, situation. There was only one camera, so what I was more focusing on was um, nameplates and like showing the obstacle names, mm-hmm. keeping track of who finished when. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's there's a lot of stuff to keep track of. Mm-hmm. 
which is especially hard with their obstacles because they're not numbered. You don't, you don't know like <laughs> the names what, are odd. Yeah, the names are odd. You don't know what obstacles what. Like at least if they're numbered, you know a general sense of which way the course is gonna travel. Yeah. Um, but with their map, like we just had their course map and then like roughly an idea of where the obstacles were going to be. And for the most part, it was pretty, it was was pretty much spot on. It seemed like there was like one or two that was odd. Yeah. I know there was that scaffolding obstacle that Sid (laughs) added in last minute. Scaffolding slipping. slipping Yeah. (laughs) So there was that one that was pretty interesting, but I mean, for the most part, a lot of people at that race had a lot of really good feedback for that race. They enjoyed it. They thought it was challenging. They thought it was still, it still felt like an OCR. It didn't feel like strictly a strength course where, you know, you were just like picking up heavy things and traveling with them for a long time. <laughs> um, You're the instigator, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, what's it in, 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 you know, I feel like we've we've said this over and over. I think what Sid has done has been great. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's been issues with his races, mm-hmm. but with David as the logistics guy, yeah. it's really uh, helped. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> it's 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 taken what Sid has started and and uh, I think turned it into something really really nice. Stop it. <laughs> I don't even know what to do. The dogs are just going to do their own thing. (laughs) There you go. Close them down. Uh, It almost worked. Yeah. Now they're just going to take it to the floor. No, Sid even talked about that whenever I was there. He was like, man, it's so nice to just be able to build obstacles and like not have to worry about anything else. Yeah. And well, it's great to like, you know, do what you're good at. Like yeah. do, do the part yeah, that's he enjoyable knows his to limitations. you. He knows his limitations. He knows he's good at building the obstacles and coming up with the ideas for these obstacles and coming up with the ideas for these races. Now making these races happen is a completely different story. So that's where David comes in. You know, the so the thing in question here is really people complaining about quality of a race. Certain people, you know, plenty of people have had lots of things to say about battle uh, <laughs> in general. Um of course, Spartan gets its own critiques about different races. Mm-hmm. And so my, my thought here is, what is, what's the difference here? You know, Spartan is a, a company that puts on how many races in a year? 50 plus? A lot. 60? <laughs> uh, in, a, in a normal year. Yeah. Whereas a company like Hildervat or Battle, mm-hmm. maybe one or two a year yeah. at the most. Um, Three or four, if they're lucky. So I know, you know, going into these races, when you are looking to give feedback, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, good constructive criticism is always important. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being at US OCR, uh, the USA OCR. Whenever and, I was in Texas. Yeah. And Adrian Bijanata. Um, seeing me, not knowing me, just as a regular racer and saying, hey, how was it? What did you think? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, it was great. And I gave one bit of feedback and he was like super attentive to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's 
every race is, especially if they don't, don't do races all the time, there's always going to be, like, it's hard to get it exactly perfect. Yeah. Spartan, with the sheer amount of races that they do. And personnel. Should, yeah, they should be the closest to having it perfect. But even then, there's still going to be things that just won't come up until it happens. Yeah. So. Like that bucket carry debacle of the Glen Rose Ultra a couple years ago. What was the debacle? Where everybody was like sinking into waist deep mud in the bucket carry. That was the ultra that I never finished. Oh. You remember that one? That was like a couple years ago, I think. I don't. I don't. That was, oh, That was like yes. months yeah. before my first World's Toughest. Yeah. Remember? And I was like, screw this course. I hate it. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> I, do, I do remember the mud, but I, I feel like I somehow went around it and not, like I didn't get stuck yeah. like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to go around it, but there was a point of the day at which like you couldn't avoid it like people were trying to find their way around it and like really go around where the bucket carry was supposed to be (laughs) and i was like i'm done i'm gonna take shots of fireball in the pit (laughs) (laughs) but i think that's part of that the talk is always about should obstacle course racing be in the olympics should it be standardized And that's that's part of what makes obstacle racing so great. And I, and I feel like this is the thing that I continuously come back to is obstacle course racing is great because it is so diverse. Yes. Because it can be so many different things. And if you nail it down to one specific thing, then it's not going to be as exciting as enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can make a very strict rigid league out of a yeah like if it needs to go to the olympics yes it should be very hard set rules and format Mm -hmm. but why do we all do it what what reason did we get into it because of that oh i'm going to a spartan Mm -hmm. and i don't know what the distance is or or, what to expect or yeah there are mystery obstacles yeah yeah so like that's the stuff that's like when when people complain about about issues that obstacle course races have i i just wish people i just hope that people keep in mind the unknown is Mm -hmm. something that races can't plan every they can't plan every possibility for because they haven't done it Mm -hmm. so for as long as OCR is going to be the thing we knew it as, mm-hmm. you have to give them the benefit of the doubt uh, for issues and not be yeah. so hard on them. Yeah. So, you know, just go easy on the, on the, the races because we want it. I personally want it to stay yeah. where it's not, you know, every single thing you're going to get. Yeah. And for it to become a, an Olympic sport or whatever, you know, you think it's going to evolve to, it does and, have to be standardized. And some people... I, don't th- I think that takes away a lot of the fun of it. Well, I think some people would be into that format, but yeah. I know, I think the majority of, like, think about, you know, the path, think five years ago and be and before, everybody that got into obstacle course racing at that point in time... Got into it because it was this unknown thing. Right. So for it to stay like that, 
it can't be, you know, obviously there can be a piece that is like high rocks where it's the mm-hmm. exact same thing every single time. But mm-hmm. that's not the obstacle course racing that I want to do. Yeah. I want to keep going to a mountain where it's like, I know that every year I go, it's going to be a different trail. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, like we spoke about earlier before we recorded, that's why I think it, the world that it fits best in is the X Games world, which is why I think Red Bull teaming up with OCRWC is so cool because that's kind of like their crowd, right? Like you think of, you think of a sport like skateboarding, for example, and like tons of people skateboard every day and tons of people can do tricks in and out of half pipes and empty pools and whatever every day. But like the small percentage of people that are able to compete and actually make a living off the sport of skateboarding, like it's almost similar to the small amount, uh, small percentage of people that are actually able to do this full time. And compete as athletes full time. Yeah, I'd say statistically yes, because yeah. there are more people that skateboard than do OCR. Right. But there are comparatively, I there it, are more people that make a living off of skateboarding yeah. than do OCR. But, yeah, and it's yeah. a better it's a better comparison um, than you know professional football players or baseball players or something like right. that. You know, like right. yeah, um, in a more standardized sport. Anyway. Yeah, and, and skateboarding competition is very interesting because it's there is no start and finish. There's yeah. no timing. Yeah, it's it's all judge scores, and it's almost subjective because they're like, "Oh, that that trick wasn't hard," but then if you had but, a different judge judge the same trick, then they would be like, "Oh, wow, that was like so difficult." But aren't there race? There aren't there competitions like that in in the Olympics? Ah, uh, isn't like um. Interpretive, uh, interpretive dance or not, something not or dance, gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. Is that an Olympic sport? <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah, or even even diving. Diving is is based <laughs> off of just judging scores. Yeah, that's true. So, I've, but I feel like the environment that those are held in is such a sterile environment that you're just focused on the performer. You're just focused on the athlete. Like, there's no, there's no, like, level of difficulty of terrain or, um, well, skateboarding, weather right, or, so skateboarding, they, they will change up their courses. Right. Whereas that interpretive gymnastics <laughs> is the flat floor every time. Right. Yeah. So you're just focused on the performer. Hmm. You're just focused on. The athlete, just like diving, right? They're in a very sterile environment. Whereas like you bring in a sport like obstacle racing, everything is out the window. Like you're on a completely different terrain the next week, just like the Spartan U S national series, you know, one week you can be in Jacksonville, Florida. The next weekend you can be in Utah where it's higher elevation, more mountainous. Mm -hmm. The next one might be like in Carolinas somewhere. So it's ever changing and weather is always a factor, uh, terrain, of course, distance. So there's a lot of different factors that are, I guess, considered into OCR versus like 
<laughs> rhythmic gymnastics. Right. <laughs> I I kind of tend to look at OCR as fitting more with just the random weird <laughs> sports like skateboarding is kind of I mean even X X Games in itself is kind of um, somewhat mainstream in a way. Yeah. So you know thinking about. <laughs> There's one Red Bull sponsored um, competition that where they dive off a high dive and they have like costumes and it's I think they're it's either about distance or yeah. is it the one where like they're know. trying to traverse a pole and it's like covered in shit? Well, there's cream that one too. <laughs> that's a totally different one. That's pretty wild. <laughs> or the uh, the pole vaulting over. A river or something yep, like that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, Red Bull Red Bull covers so many different random sports. I feel like if they don't have, I know they like you can go find like a, a Red Bull channel where it just shows like maybe like GoPro footage of random like snowboarders or something. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if they haven't done it, they should have their own sports channel where it's like. Every sport that doesn't fit on, that you don't see on Fox News. Yeah. Not Fox. Well, yeah. Earth. Fox or NBC or yeah. CBS. If you don't, if it's a sport and it exists, and you don't see it 3. there, we're going to try and put it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Duh. ESPN. But it would be like even further removed than ESPN 8 or whatever. Ocho. Ocho. You know, like that's, that's what it is. Like that's the. I mean, I think that was their joke is that there's all these random sports out there, yeah. but you know, that would be the legit, like, this is the Red Bull channel the Red Bull and this channel. is all the random sports that you see. <laughs> Which OCR would fit nicely into. Cause there are, there are so many random weird sports just because, because people are competitive. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. On the yeah. flight out here, I actually watched this movie called The Buddy Games. Uh-huh. And the, the movie itself wasn't really th- that great, but it had the <laughs> underlying idea, you know, uh-huh. that, that we are, as people, we are competitive. And uh, it kind of kind of fits with all this, I think. Just, that makes sense. There's, uh, you know, you can turn anything into a sport. <laughs> um, when I was in, I spent a year, a summer, doing... Um, Summer camp up in mm, Asheville, North Carolina, somewhere in there. And every day at lunch, we would uh, take this. It's like a paper football, but it was actually made out of, I don't know, some nice material. And we'd try and kick it across the table. Like I a long that game. Yeah. Yeah. But we, like a long table, like yeah. a long, you know, dining hall table. Yeah. And we'd go for, kick it from one end to the other and try to get it into a cup. And that was just like, that was every day at lunch is we'd try to do that. So just little random things like that. It's like, we're constantly trying to be like, let's, let's turn this into yeah. a game. Um, so trying to compete at something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's kind of endless. The amount of, if there was a rando sports channel, uh, you know, what all would be in there. You'd see me kicking this paper football into a cup. <laughs> Hey, they have a cup stacking. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sport now. It, would that be in the E-games? Olympics? What? E-games? Yeah. Video games? Yeah. yeah. Multiplayer games? Yeah. 
Does Red Bull do anything with that? I don't know. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised because there's strangely a lot of money in that. Yeah. Hmm. All right, there's a lot of random stuff that we just talked about. <laughs> it's <there>. just <laughs> ESPN Ocho. <laughs> All right, Ragnar. Yeah. <laughs> so we we planned on doing um, Ragnar last year. We had a, a team. The whole WTM crew. Yeah. The usual crew that we've got with us. These two dogs. <laughs> is there a better time to do this? <laughs> this is probably what they do all day whenever they're alone with each other. <laughs> and I just don't know what... Uh, hey. Yeah, right. Ragnar. Uh, you we like Ragnar, dog? We were supposed to do Ragnar with Mike and Caitlin and Mark and, yeah, our whole WTM crew. We actually had uh, Josh Chase and Ryan Joy on our team Uh as well. And then the world shut down and nobody was allowed to travel and that kind of put a a kink in our plans. Yep. Even though we were automatically deferred to this year. Everything was still uncertain, so we didn't really know who was in, who was out. So, yeah, it got deferred. Uh, Mike and Caitlin couldn't make it because of travel restrictions. At least that was the beginning of the yeah. year for them, which, you know, I feel like I don't remember when I made my flight plans, but it was fairly early. And yeah. I think at that time they still couldn't travel out of state yeah. for their job. Uh, so, so, yeah, we ended up deciding... Um, since everybody, since we, since we can't get this whole big team together. Yeah. Team of eight people. Yep. Team of eight people as Ragnar does the normal Ragnar. Uh, let's do a Ragnar ultra team, which is only mm-hmm. four people. Um, and it's kind of funny. Like once we got into that, it's like, that sounds more fun to me anyway. Cause yeah. if I want to go to a endurance event, I want to run more. Like why yeah. would I pay this money and go do all this Run once, just take a run. five and a half hour break, and then yeah. run again. <laughs> take another five and a half hour break, which I've I've done before, and it yeah. is fun. Like having eight people on a team, eh, this is something that we missed out <laughs> on. I mean, I saw you know tents around us where people are just like, like obviously we hung out, but yeah. it was like a powwow of people <laughs> just chilling, yeah, laughing, cutting up, and yeah. we didn't really have that because. Yeah. You know, a fourth of our team was gone at any yeah. point in time, or maybe more because of whatever. So, for the people that aren't uh, familiar with Ragnar and Ragnar Ultra, at least the difference is uh, Ragnar itself, the regular Ragnar is there's three loops, eight people, each person will run all three loops over the Once. course of. Yeah. 24 hours. So you have to run the loops in order. So there's green, yellow, red. So no matter who goes, you go green, yellow, red, green, yellow, red, green, yellow, red, Mm -hmm. and so on. And so with the, so the one time I did uh, Ragnar a few years ago, uh, I ran sometime in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. and then I didn't run again until like, Nine that night. Middle of the night or late at night. And then I ran again at like 
five in the morning. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. really like that was it. That was my Spaced whole. Spaced out. Yeah. So like you have a team of eight, and each person runs fifteen miles, yeah. roughly ish. Yeah. So basically, the Ragnar Ultra teams do the work of an eight-person team. Yeah, but so twice. it's just double that. Yeah. Yeah. So our four-person team basically did a fifty k each. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which is still interesting in itself uh, in comparison to what we're used to. Yeah. So I think I'd like to get into that. But before we do, um, we actually filled out our team. You know, we knew mm-hmm. we had me and you. Mm-hmm. You're in Colorado, so you had no excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I paid for this team, so I'm going to race it. <laughs> so, um. And then, so I asked you, do you have anybody to race with us? And you had your 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 coach, mm-hmm. my trainer, your, at, your trainer at the gym. Yeah. Uh, how did you find this trainer? Before we talk <laughs> so, about her more. So it was funny. Whenever I first joined Twenty Four Hour Fitness, it was because I could get the company discount at Twenty Four Hour Fitness Clubs <laughs> through my company, and uh, joined Twenty Four Hour Fitness. And I told the guy because you know whenever they first sign you up for a membership, they're trying to sell you all these additional yeah. things on top. And I was like, whatever, I'm not gonna, I'm not buying whatever. You mean they're not on. just telling you about? <laughs> Free pizza? Exactly. Is, that, is that the... That's Planet Fitness. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> free pizza and bagel Mondays yeah. and, yeah, free tootsie rolls at the bodies. front desk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the guy was like, so are you training for anything? Are you working towards anything? Do you have any, like, fitness goals? And at the time, I was training for another year at WTM, and I really wanted to hit my 50, and I was really, like... Was this... When was this? This was pre-COVID. Oh. <laughs> so after 2018. Okay. Um, going into 2019, world stuff is. Okay. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I'm training for this. I want to get this many miles. Like, this is what I'd like to do. And Wait, wait, wait. wait. So you were at 24-Hour Fitness. Yeah. Telling some salesperson <laughs> that you were looking to do how many miles at? At world stuff is. Which... Like twenty four hour fitness has a has an affiliation with Spartan. Oh, and, okay. So they were think, somewhat familiar, at least. Yeah, because I think at the same time they were still trying to promote like the DecaFit stuff was uh, just starting up, okay. maybe. So that's they were, right because they had a yeah. a Spartan a OCR corner for right. a minute there. Yeah. Huh. So they yeah they um they were a little bit familiar with Spartan, but not quite so. Um, I kind of gave him the short and skinny of what I like to do. <laughs> and How, what was their reaction? And he was like, huh, well, and I, I've never seen this guy since. Like, I don't think he even works at the club anymore. <laughs> he quit the day after. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I've got the perfect person for you. This lady, Kathleen, she's an older lady and she's like, you know, in her 40s, but she's done all these endurance events. And, you know, I think she'd okay. be really well versed in what you do. And, like, that's the first time I've ever felt, like, very well matched huh. to someone who can train or who I can train with or who I feel comfortable, like. So they actually did a, a good job. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> and, and um, you know, they did the whole, like, free 
personal training session as a promo thing. Mm. And whenever we met and I started talking to her and she started doing all this testing on me, like, um, gate training or, um, gate analysis and everything like that. She was like, you know, my background is Ironmans and my background is I've qualified for Boston this many times. And so was she trying to, she was selling herself to you at first? Not really. Okay. She, she was like, just explaining. Yeah. She was just like more or less just getting to know me and like okay. getting to know what I like to do and how. All I like right. So to again, her, her background is Ironman and Iron marathons, Man, marathons, uh, and a lot of road biking. Like she, she teaches a lot of the spin, uh, the spinning classes. Okay. So just like really like pure endurance training, like as I, as I'm getting to know her now more and more and working out with her more and more, she had this one lady who was in her sixties that was prepping for a 40 mile swim, Oh wow! a 40 mile race. (laughs) (laughs) And it was over the course of like three or four days or something like that. What? Yeah. Like they, I think they did it like in in bouts. So like they would do like ten ish miles a day. Where were they doing this uh, swimming forty mile swimming race? <laughs> I don't know. I forgot to ask her, but just I know pool it was or, no, it was know, like open know. water. It was open water okay. swimming because wow. um, she trained in the pool, and Kathleen would train with her, mm. and um, Kathleen would uh, would like put snacks by the pool <laughs> whenever she was training at, at the gym and she'd like put little snacks by the pool. And then like later on in the day, if she was still swimming, like she'd jump in the pool with her and do a couple miles with her. <laughs> so like, she's just one of those. Of swimming. Yeah. She's, she, she's just like one of those endurance junkies. Like <laughs> she's qualified for the Kona world championships for Ironman, like several times. Oh wow. Yeah. It's just like, and she's super modest and like, um, after she got in her bike accident, she didn't, you know, she had a lot of recovery time after that. So I felt like after that, she had like this new lease on hmm. athletics and keep staying fit and just like enjoying every opportunity that you get to like perform. Hmm. So yeah, that's her background. <laughs> okay. So, so we got, so you had been training with her for a while. Yeah. Yeah, probably and, at least at least a year and a half. And you, how did you approach her about it? I just texted her and asked her because <laughs> I knew she was an endurance junkie. Did, did she know? And, like from y'all's training sessions, yeah. did she know that you were planning on doing? Yeah, this? she knew I was planning on doing a Ragnar, and she had mentioned she was like, "Oh, I've always wanted to do one." Oh. And so if you, if y'all are looking for another teammate, you know, just let me know. Oh, she had already mentioned it. Yeah. She had mentioned it once, just once. That's all it took. (laughs) Just once. And, um, and yeah, that's all it took. Hmm. And so once I knew, so backing up actually, um, one of, uh, one of our vendors at work, he likes to do like a lot of trail races and just like. Just short stuff, like maybe training for half marathons or 5Ks or 10Ks here and there. And Ragnar Ultra, not Ragnar Ultra, but regular Ragnar, he was like, oh, yeah, I've had a lot of uh, buddies that have done that. um, And I've heard it's really pretty and it's really fun. So he was up for the regular Ragnar. Mm. But he had some weird, like, middle ear stuff going on where he had to have surgery at Johns Hopkins Mm. and 
like it was like 50 percent recovery thing and um he was trying to get his fitness back up after not working out for a while and whenever we switched to ultra he was like yeah i don't think oh, I'm. Okay. <laughs> he was like yeah i don't think i'm in ultra fitness <laughs> so like i don't i i could go out and do 15 miles spread out over 24 hours but not 30. Come on, man. Double, I know. <laughs> double that? I know. It's problem? no big deal. But I knew, <laughs> I knew Kathleen would be down for it just because she's, yeah, she's just, she stays, she tries to stay in that type of fitness. What did she say when you, when you asked her? Oh, she was totally down for just it. Just right away? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was totally down for it. She was like, yes, absolutely. Nice. Like, let me know for sure if you want me on your team because... Like I said, she's modest, and she's like, I'm turning 50 years old that weekend. I'm probably going to be sandbagging all of y'all, but yet she was like the fastest one on our team, just like I predicted she would be. (laughs) So we had Kathleen, and then we had, um, basically, uh, you didn't have anybody else in mind. I didn't have anybody else, so I posted on the event page for Ragnar, if anybody else was looking for to join our ultra team. So we got uh, a guy named Jeff. You remember his last name? Beatty. Jeff Beatty. Yep. Um, he reached out and said, Hey, you still looking for somebody? I said, yeah. Um, he's done, you know, me and you Mm -hmm. mostly OCR. Uh, he, he's done over the past several years, uh, mostly Ragnar. So he's done. He's done like 10 Ragnars. Yeah, this was his 10th one. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said he used to live in the Ohio area and he did a lot of the East Coast ones. So he did like uh, Appalachians and West Virginia, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of of random ones out there. Um, I don't know if he ever did Texas. Yeah, that's the one I did was in Texas. But anyway, so we got him. Ah, shoot. Not last minute, but mm-hmm. pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. Pretty close to to as last minute as you can get. And um, so we had we had our, had our team, you know, us two who knew each other, mm-hmm. your trainer, and then one random. <laughs> uh, it actually worked out really well because he was driving in himself. Mm-hmm. I was flying in. You actually worked on Thursday. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the race is on Friday, so you you worked on Thursday. But this is uh, in Aspen, mm-hmm. in Snowmass, which is about three hours out from, from Denver. So, it, you know, uh, you getting off of work, you know, takes time to get out there. Mm-hmm. I flew in. Um, you were still kind of behind, so yeah. I went ahead and drove out there. Jeff, he was already out there. By yeah. the time I got there, he had... He actually got there, um, you know, right on time for them to open up and allow you to check for, um, for, for spots. So for the, whoa, <laughs> sorry, that was my fault. I was trying to pull the <laughs> So for those that don't know, <clears throat> Ragnar, you get a camping spot <clears throat> for your team, and so you pick that spot out by just you know whatever's available. And in the past. They've always had it to where it's just like an open field. But COVID-wise, now it's more like World's Toughest where you've got a specific pit area. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he was able to get there and get a pit area for us um, and actually got a pretty sweet spot. So 
the weekend started out very cool in that I got there. He was already set up, ready to go. Uh, I got my, my stuff out and set up and then, um, you know, me and him basically camped out and, uh, you and Kathleen showed up in the morning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, now we had it to where, so we've got these three loops, green, yellow, red, and that you do over and over with four people. So basically it ends up being, you know, if I start on green, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to end up doing green, yellow, red, green, yellow, red. Mm-hmm. And for somebody like Jeff, he actually started on, um, no. He started the same as you. Yeah. <clears throat> he started on green. You started on red. <laughs> yeah. So you went red, green, yellow, uh-huh. red, green, yellow. Uh-huh. So your last lap was, was on yellow. My last lap was on red. His is on red and Kathleen's is on green. Because mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Kathleen started on yellow. Yeah. 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 As, as far as the the race goes, the, the venue, it was it was pretty cool. Like I'm I, I can't I would love to see another uh, Ragnar to see if it how it compares. Yeah. If any of them has as good of a, um, I mean, honestly, even the camping area was great because we were on mm-hmm. a, like the soccer, soccer field with the most luscious grass you could ever yeah. find. <laughs> Which we've gotten a lot of rain in the last few months, <laughs> like a uh, unprecedented amount of rain and moisture. So. <laughs> Everything right now, instead of being, like, brown and dead, is, like, really green and luscious right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really weird time of year here, too, because, you know, summer has started, but it was still, what, it wasn't, it was, like, 40, I forget what it was, like, the night before, low 40s. Low 40s. And honestly, Low 40s both nights, I think. Actually, earlier this month, so to put it in perspective, earlier this month, the very last ski resort closed down. Oh, wow. For the season. (laughs) So, like, we're talking late May, early June Mm -hmm. to close down a ski resort, which is pretty much unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, so still very cold at night. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, as we saw, the, the, the temperature, the day temperature just gets wild. Yeah. Like it, the way it felt, it felt like going from 40 degrees to 90 degrees, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Now it was 40 degrees. It was, it was low forties. Yeah. Cause then, I don't think it got below 40. <clears throat> and then, right. It didn't get into the thirties. But by by nine o'clock in the morning, it's already sixty something. Yeah, even though there was so, I think the reason why there was like a nice little frost on everything <laughs> was because it was so hot during the day, so hot during the day, and then like the temperature dropped so drastically that you had all this condensation that was forming on everything that just like created this <clears throat> nice frost on the grass and on our whiteboard and everything else. Yeah, it was weird. 
And, and honestly, uh, being out and running those those loops, it felt like uh, the temperature in the village area, in the camping, the camping area was colder. Mm-hmm. Like running, when you got done with your, uh, to me, when I got done with my loop, it felt like it was colder down yeah. there. Probably because you were sweating more, but. I was. <laughs> That's true. Um, so. <clears throat> the village area was great. Um, we got started. Our, our team got chose to start at 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I guess they figured we would take forever. So they started us at 9 o'clock, which is the earliest, like, first team started at 9 o'clock. Yeah. And, and they and they do it very different. You know, it's a very different world than obstacle course racing. It's because it's a relay and there's no, like, set finish time, mm-hmm. they, they do it to where it's um, – you, yeah, so you, they want everybody to finish kind of within the same amount of 12 hours time frame. So they want everybody to finish on Saturday within the same amount of time. So if you're super fast, they'll start you later in the day because they expect you to still finish in, mm-hmm. within that time. But if you're slow, they'll start you first. And we, we they, like I guess they like these people. <laughs> these people are slow. We're going to start so, them off in the first wave of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we did, I'd say, in comparison to that, we did pretty good. Like, yeah. Jeff's estimate had us finishing before 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Which. That was a pretty ambitious mm-hmm. estimate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we had our camp. Um, you guys showed up and we started, you know, 9 o'clock. I went out for the green loop. And, uh, you know, right away you feel that elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was pretty tough, but it was kind of funny, you know, I, and maybe it's just because it's the start of the race. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fresh. Everybody mm-hmm. goes out fast. Yeah. <clears throat> I felt like I was being conservative, mm-hmm. but I was probably still doing like an eight thirty pace. I was like, this is too fast. I need to slow down. <laughs> and, um, when we hit that first climb, mm-hmm. um, coming out of the neighborhood. Yeah. So people had passed me um, up to that climb. And then when we got into the climb, I started seeing people walking mm-hmm. way more than okay. I would have thought. And so I, I passed a few people on, on the climb itself just because it's just like they were, did you go out too fast? Because I know I did. So you must've went out really fast. <laughs> um, so yeah. So the, the, I know my first two loops, I think, Actually, no, no. My first three loops because we did them six times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I feel like I was pushing, like mm-hmm. not crazy hard. Like I wasn't killing myself, but I was definitely like trying to get a good time. Yeah. And uh, that first green loop, I went pretty pretty good, and you know, all three of these trails were on yellow. Yeah, I'd say yellow all three of these trails. Chill. Yellow was more <laughs> mellow than the other two. <laughs> For sure, but really, all three of them were: you go up and then yeah. you come down. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't a big up and down, up and down. Yeah. Obviously, there were like little hills, but yeah. well, it know. really was overall mostly you go up and then you come down. Yeah, and yellow was probably more of the rolling hills that you would. Yeah, you expect. So on the green one, it was just let's climb on up. <laughs> let's funny. take this kind of ridge, not ridge. Um, it was like a little switchback thing. Well, they, it had a spot that was fairly flat that kind of went over to a yeah. different section, and then you switch back all the way back down. Yeah. 
So it was, it really was climb up, get over to the other side and then come down hard. Yeah. So that, that first, you know, it's always like that. The first. The green wasn't like that though. I don't feel like the green. What do you mean? (laughs) Like the red, the red loop, it was definitely like. Whenever you were climbing up, whenever you got to the three-mile point, whenever you got to the halfway point, you knew the rest of it was downhill. Three and a half. It was, three and a it half. was spot on three and a half. <laughs> three and a half. But the green loop, it was like a mile and a half you climb, and then you go through this flat It was a little section. flat. Yeah, more flat. But then, like, to mile two to two and a half or whatever, or no... But to, up to mile two, maybe a little bit beyond that, was like straight climb still. Mm-hmm. And it was like just straight up. And then then you come down once it merged with the red loop. But like it's like once it started going down, it never – there were a couple of spots that weren't flat. Or, yeah, once it started going down, it was down. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so – you know, when your legs are fresh, it's easy to bomb that stuff. Yeah. And so, like, my first loop, it was just, like, climb up, <laughs> run hard if I can, and then just you know, send it, as they say. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but as time went on, that got harder to do because yeah. your legs are tired and it gets dark and all that stuff. So... I did the uh, the green loop first, and then um, Kathleen went after me. And Kathleen, <laughs> <laughs> the yellow loop was kind of weird because it had one little spot that overlapped. So it was two-way yeah. traffic at this one spot. And she somehow came. It, it's crazy because it's like a, oh, let's see if I can describe it. It's a, when you're, when you're coming into this section the first time, you're going up a hill, and you can go around the curve, mm-hmm. and then then the trail splits. And then you cross a road. No, no, no. Well, after that. So, yeah. like, so the part where it's, where it's um, two-way. Oh, yeah. So, you, yeah. you're heading uh-huh. up. It's two-way traffic. Mm-hmm. And then the trail goes around the curve and mm-hmm. then splits. Yeah. Coming On, off the High Line Trail. When you're first going... <laughs> I remember it because I was seeing this guy coming down as I was going up, as he was finishing the loop. Yeah. And he was like, there's some gorgeous views up there. I'm like, yeah, I know. I've been up there before. (laughs) This is my second time on the loop. (laughs) That that was a funny thing. Like, we can talk more about that. That's an interesting part of being an ultra team. Yeah. So, So, yeah. So, you come around this curve and the trail splits. And if you go right, it's more mellow. And if you go left, it's very steep. Straight up. But you're supposed to go right. Yeah. It's okay. So yeah. easy enough. You go right. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are signs. Uh-huh. Uh, so you go right. And then you end up coming back around to where that spot is. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, what I just said, if you go right, it's mellow. And if you go left, it's, it's steep. steep. So when you're coming down, you're coming down that steep spot. Yeah. And then, like I said, you're coming around the curve. Mm-hmm. So the trail splits, and then there's a curve. So if you're coming down the steep spot, you're you're like going into the merge, and then around the corner. Mm-hmm. So 
Kathleen somehow <laughs> just that? didn't take the corner and instead just made a U-turn <laughs> and went back. I don't know where she got turned around, oh. but she ended up making, well, what was that loop? That that loop was like four and a half, four yeah. point four miles. Yeah, so she something. turned that one into a... Seven mile loop. <laughs> but she still finished it in less than, less than an hour. Yeah. Yeah, less than an hour she finished it in. Because she was calling me and she was like, I think I just passed mile two again. I don't know if I was supposed to pass pass mile two again. And we were looking at the map and we were like, well, it looks like it doubles back on itself. So I think you're going the right way. But we didn't know exactly where she was. we hadn't done it yet. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, sure enough, she did that section twice. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember standing there with Jeff because I, I was the one that always took the bib from Kathleen mm-hmm. and I was waiting for her and Jeff was kind of keeping an eye on her time and he he was like, well, there goes the sheet. <laughs> there goes the time sheet. <laughs> but I'm like, what's a trail race if one of us doesn't get lost? I That's mean, true. Really? That's true. Bonus miles. There's always bonus miles in trail races, right? Because that, that loop, actually, it, it literally did have... One, two, two, three, four, five, like five different spots that you mm-hmm. could go two different ways. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, the other two loops didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess it's understandable that. It was almost kind of like a, because of the way you came in and out of it, it was almost kind of like a lollipop route. But whenever you finished the loop at the top, Instead of going back the way you came, you had to cross over onto another section mm-hmm. of trail and then rejoin the rest of the trail that you yeah. started on. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. But it was good. I mean, it was great. Good. Great trail. Yeah. The, yeah. Honestly, the red loop was probably my favorite just because of the views. Even though, like, <laughs> even though the, that was my first loop I had to do and I, I probably did it at the second to worst time of day <laughs> yeah. it was so hot yeah. and like half of it was on pavement following uh all the switchbacks on the roads up the mountain in the neighborhoods going up the mountain but then like once you got on the trail and once you got on that ridge line it was like amazing the views from that ridge line were yeah, incredible really cool. yeah yeah it's amazing how you can go two and a half miles up the road yeah and then get on the trail and it's like i gotta start going down at some point yeah just keep on going up <laughs> and then you keep you keep seeing the ridge line and that's where i where i passed my first person was on that on that those switchbacks going up to that ridge line because he was like hiking his way up there and we could see like a few people like making their way up the switchbacks up to the ridge and he's like i can't believe we have to go all the way up there <laughs> older gentleman and you could tell he was just like you know keeping it really chill and i was like yep we've got a ways to go (laughs) (laughs) but i guess being out here and like being a little familiar with some of the trails that are around here most of the most of the mountain trails it's always like a climb up and then sending it down (laughs) Just kind of making your way on down. 
So yeah, I, I know, you know, my first three, um, yeah, I did green, yellow, red. Mm-hmm. And so I felt pretty good at, at first. And, and honestly, I felt like I, I was, like I was pushing. I was trying mm-hmm. to get a good time and, uh, did green and yellow. And then for red, got up to, you know, the top and started going that downhill. So it's mm-hmm. like three and a half miles to the, the highest point. Mm-hmm. And then you start going down and then you don't stop going down. Yeah. <laughs> So the the For full three miles. I mean, yeah, it's three miles of downhill, mm-hmm. and I've talked about how the downhill at um, Stratton Mountain mm-hmm. for for Noram mm-hmm. is hard, and it's but it's so crazy steep, but it's mm-hmm. like a quarter of a mile. Yeah, and while this isn't crazy steep, it's three miles long. <laughs> so you know, think about a normal. And if you're going downhill, you're going to be going a little faster. So, mm-hmm. like, my normal uh, 5K, you know, like, if I'm pushing mm-hmm. 23, 24 minutes mm-hmm. at the best, um, which, of course, I'm not so crazy fast. But, anyway, you're running for 24 minutes. And if you're sending it, if you're if you're actually, like, letting the, the – Letting the gravity take your body, even though it's downhill, it's still a lot of work. It's scary, too. <laughs> 24 minutes of, like, full-on. Like, mm-hmm. it... My first red loop, I... Probably, probably, probably two miles into that three miles, I was like, I've got to slow down because <laughs> I'm wearing myself out going down this hill. Yeah. It's just too much. It's a lot of impact on your knees and your legs. Yeah. So it wore me out pretty good. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie. No, it, was it was really good. fun. Like, I, I really like just I think like, I just pushed it too hard. Yeah. I, I really like just like letting gravity take you downhill yeah. and yeah. just it. So important to note on, on, on that fact is the, the condition of the trails. Like weren't technical. They weren't rocky. It was more like loose dirt, yeah, or sand almost in some places, to where like yeah, I wouldn't call it sand. Not not necessarily as deep as sand, yeah. but like there were definitely those places not along the ridge line, but along the edge of the mountain where they had those caution signs yeah. because it was just like you a steep drop right off, yeah. <laughs> right off the mountain, um, the, where the where the dirt was a little looser and thicker mm-hmm. in those areas, so. Um, yeah, not, not, it was either hard packed or it was that loose dirt where yeah. your foot would just sink into the dirt and you wouldn't really get that return energy return. And yeah, it was made it a little bit more difficult. It's funny how you didn't really notice it during the day, but at night you mm-hmm. see all the dust. Yeah. So when somebody passes you. Mm-hmm. Or you're catching up to somebody. Mm-hmm. It's just you see it. Mm-hmm. It's just like my my whole my brain the whole time. I'm like, should I be breathing through my nose right now? <laughs> Am I just like sucking all this into my lungs? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I let that person pass. Should I not? Should yeah. I just stay ahead of them? Yeah. Because now I'm seeing all this dust start kicking yeah. up. Pretty Which is interesting because like a lot of there was. I saw a lot of uh, a lot of similarities between like the Ragnar community and the OCR community, and that like everybody was really out there to support each other. Yeah. 
you know, you had teams cheering people on that, you know, whatever, like I stuck out my hand for high fives, like for random people, because, you know, I'm like wanting to cheer people on. But then like there were these other people, like this random woman I came across on my last yellow loop and she passes me. She passes me and gets literally two steps in front of me and then stops and starts walking. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Okay. That is weird. Yeah. And then, like, I kept her. She stayed pretty much in my eyesight the whole time. And then we start going downhill on the yellow loop. And she has this thing wrapped around her knee. And she starts, like, hobbling downhill. <laughs> and she looks like she's struggling or she's hurt or something because she's, like, trying to, like, one foot it down well, the hill. And she passed you up. And she passed me up. And I'm, like, trying to figure out if she's okay or if she's hurt. I'm, like, are you okay? I'm, like, do you need do you need anything? She's, like, do you need to pass me? I'm, like, well, I mean, I was just trying to ask you if you were okay. But, yeah, I'll pass you if you're offering for me to pass you. So That definitely sounds like an outlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally an outlier. Because, like, that, that was the first person I had ever encountered, like, that throughout the whole day. So... Whenever I was like, well, I was just asking if you were okay, but yeah, I'll pass you. <laughs> yeah, it, that is nice. Um, obviously, there there is differences between trail runners and obstacle course racers. Yeah. Um, one of the, the biggest differences is that you, you see a lot more shirtless people <laughs> at obstacle course races than you do you saw at your wife's comment at on trail my races. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it, it really is like you go to, I mean, any trail race I've ever done, people are wearing singlets yeah. or sleeveless or somehow they're wearing long sleeves. I, I don't know. <laughs> My body melts before. Like I, I can't wear that. I'll sweat too much. I don't, I don't know what it is. I honestly, I, I wonder, I, I did think about this today. Is it because trail runners are doing less upper body workouts? So they don't have this physique that they're <laughs> proud to show off. Like, yeah. is that part of it? <laughs> um, it could be. It might be something to that. I don't know. So yeah, there, there's now. Other than that, like, what are the real differences between trail racers and obstacle course there's racers? Not a lot. You, you do get a lot of that, like, positive vibe, yeah, camaraderie. Almost every single person you pass is going to say, good job. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Keep it up. That kind of stuff. Um, so it is really cool. Um, and there was one point whenever I was on the green loop and my my shoelaces needed, they were doing something weird. So I like I was like retying my shoelaces. So I stepped off the trail and I was retying my shoelaces. And this girl that was behind me that ended up passing me was like, Hey, are you okay? Do you need help? I'm like, because oh. you were tying your shoes. Yeah, because I was like off the trail and I was like messing with yeah. my shoes, and I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm just retying my laces. But like, at the same time, um, going back to uh, the Human Potential Running Series race director, um, what in his runners' manuals before all the races he puts on, um, they're like. Yeah, you're a trail racer and this is a race, but you're also like a human being. So like <laughs> nice. if you see somebody pulled off the trail or, you know, like just do the right thing and like check to make sure they're okay before you just like pass them up, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, which I feel like, yeah, trail runners do a lot 
just because you're trying to look out for each other. Because you're all out there, like, on this trail, and you don't know if you're going yeah. the right way. And, no. <laughs> now, interestingly, I know when I did uh, Ragnar in the past, you actually had to watch the um, the safety video on site. Mm-hmm. So they had a big tent, and you'd go inside of it, and they'd mm-hmm. show it for a crowd of people. And, uh, you know, it talked about, you know, you, you, you when you're catching up with somebody, you call on your left, mm-hmm. and you go, I didn't... I don't think I heard a single person say on mm-hmm. your left. No. And I was like, why is... I, has I everybody heard, forgotten that this is a thing? Or? I heard maybe a couple people do it. I, also, I know I said it, but I don't... I yeah. swear I never heard a single person say it. Yeah. I also saw a lot more people trail running wise because trail runners in general, you don't see them run with earbuds or music or anything like that. But I... Had a lot of people. Yeah, I saw either coming in with like headphones in or whatever, and so you think it was just less knowledgeable. I think crowd. I think so, and like if they don't make that a priority for them to know, then they're not right. It wasn't as right. You had to check in online Mm -hmm. and watch a video, but it wasn't. You you weren't a captive audience. You had to go sit in this tent to watch this video. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if you're a seasoned trail runner, or if you've at least run trails even recreationally you know to say hey i'm passing on your left or hey i'm passing on your right whatever well people would say excuse me or right hey hey i'm I'm, I'm about to pass you yeah something but nobody ever said on your left yeah which is i I like on your left because people do do that because then i know which way to move was it me i don't know Yeah, no, no, that, you're right. Like that's that's the great indicator about about that part. It's like it's. I mean, it's it's traffic 101. Like yeah. we're in America, you get on the right <laughs> if you're slower. Some people, obviously, in traffic don't understand that concept. But <laughs> so when you say that's the best part, when you say on your left and then they go, yeah, and they and they go left, yeah. It's like uh, okay. Um, For me, I always felt like. Maybe, and once or twice this happened to me last night when I heard somebody and I could tell by the pace of their footsteps that they were definitely moving faster mm-hmm. than me. So once once I kind of like peeked behind me and saw where they were in relation to where I was, if they were close enough to pass me, I would just step off the trail and let them keep going. A lot of people did that too. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah. So you get a lot of people just like, they recognize you're coming, and yeah. they, they pull over and yeah. let you go ahead and pass. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, it's, it's interesting when you get to somebody, you've got a very similar mm-hmm. pace, mm-hmm. Um, and, and they'll say, like, or somebody will pull over, and then the other person will be like, no, you're good. Keep, yeah. I'm, I'm not passing you yet. <laughs> so keep on going. Me, I just hate people... Like following that close behind really? me, even if we're be, running at the same pace. You rather be if, by yourself, or uh, you yeah, I'd be rather like I'd yeah, I think I'd rather be chasing. <laughs> I'd rather be chasing than hear the footsteps behind me. Although whenever I was coming around that loop back into the finish, I could hear this guy behind me, and our step, our footsteps were pretty much the same. 
So I'm like, I'm going to step it up a little bit because this guy's not passing me into the finish line. So that's, <laughs> so I kind of picked it up a little bit and I, and he slowed, I could hear he slowed down and then I just kept going into the finish. And I'm like, yeah. That's yeah. funny. I had a guy that I was with and I was slightly behind him. Uh-huh. And I was like, I could easily just outpower this guy yeah. and, and pass him up. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. This is right at the finish. Yeah. You don't so, want to be that guy that sprints. <laughs> yeah. Not in right. Yeah. Yeah. In. So I actually like got neck and neck with him yeah. and went into the finish with him together and like kind of shared a moment with him. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. So the, the day was hot. Yeah. And like I said, I, I ran you know, decently hard for those uh, green, yellow, red. Mm-hmm. And then I finally had to slow down mm-hmm. towards the end of the red because it was so steep. Mm-hmm. Not steep. It was just downhill for so long. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got done, I, I felt good. But then it what didn't take long that I felt just not great. Yeah. I was like resting and, and it's just like, oh, I, I don't feel so good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I never felt like I was sick, but I was just like, I could tell it was going that, mm-hmm. that direction. And, uh, you know, from there on, it was like getting nighttime and that temperature dropped quick. Uh, so wild temperature wise in the cold, you're sitting around, even being in a sleeping bag, it was cold enough mm-hmm. that even in the sleeping bag, it was like, I got to make sure I got all the clothes and get comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it shouldn't be this hard to yeah. stay warm, but it was. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then you go out and run. And it's like... Start shedding I, layers. <laughs> I, yeah. I went out for the runs at... I think I went out at like 9 and then mm-hmm. at 2. And uh, I wore, you know, a regular shorts. I wore um, your little jacket and mm-hmm. just a, a shirt and a t-shirt mm-hmm. underneath it. A uh, tech t-shirt underneath it. Mm-hmm. And uh, half a mile in, I had to take the jacket off. Like it was... <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't do it. It was just great. Oh, oh, and I had gloves and a, and a beanie. Like, it, but it's just you know it's, when you get started, and it's it's wild how how much it changes when you when you run, your body warms up. Yeah, standing around was one thing. Yeah, it was super cold, and then once you got running, you warmed up so quickly. Yeah, that yeah, because my my red loop, my last red loop was uh. That one in the middle of the night and, uh, and, uh, I had, that was whenever I had my jack, my Patagonia jacket, my, uh, cotton t-shirt and then my tank top and then my sports bra up underneath. Whereas like a few hours earlier, I was doing the red loop in just my sports bra on my shorts. And I'm like, I never run in my sports bra. So that's how hot it is right now. (laughs) I'm like, I need to shed a layer. And then, like, a few hours later, I was running in, like, four layers of clothing. But then, like, a half mile in, less than a mile in, I was, like, I had to stop, take off my hydration pack, take off my jacket, take off the the cotton t-shirt, take off the tank top, put the Patagonia jacket back on. So, it was, like... <laughs> so, I, I, I found what worked for me is... Don't put the jacket on underneath underneath my vest. Yeah. Instead, put the jacket on over, over the vest, the vest. Yeah. so I can take it off without having to deal with the right. vest. And that that actually ended up working really well for me too. Um, yeah, just uh, 
you know, basically have, have everything, like, what am I going to run in and then layer on top of that to be prepared mm-hmm. for the start? Yeah. So I'm, I'm cold at the start, get into it. Once I start to warm up, take the gloves, take the yeah. hat, take the jacket off, take all that off, and then I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was mid mid to low 40s, mm-hmm. and um, I'm running in, you know, uh, dry fit t-shirt and shorts, <laughs> and it felt great. <laughs> And then you get back into the tent area and you're like putting on dry robes and all the layers and sweatpants and yeah, that was interesting in itself. Just the the con the concept of you, you get in and you've only got a certain amount of time before you lose that body heat yeah. body heat. Yeah. So it's like I got to get back to the tent yeah. and start getting things changed, yeah. or else it's gonna or else I'm gonna be very uncomfortable yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Once I was my night loops. Once I was finished with the loop, I was heading straight to the tent getting my layers on and either bundling up inside the tent or like changing into dry clothing and going toward the, the fire yeah yeah the fires in the festival area were really nice they somehow kept those burning all night long well into the next day yep um and big big fires too. yeah yeah that was awesome yeah that was totally awesome but that was so that was the beauty of doing the night loops or doing all of our second loops at night was yeah. that we were all able to do them during the day and see them during the day. So we knew kind of what we were getting into at night. Yeah. And, and to me, it was kind of like the, the, why do I like, you know, world's toughest? Why mm-hmm. do I like Conqueror Gauntlet's Continuum? Yeah. It's fun to do the loops and learn it. Yeah. As you go. Yeah. So, you know, especially like the, the where the green loop and the red loop merge because you did that one. Mm-hmm. You didn't do that one Good. four times. You did it eight times. Yeah. So just learning, learning the loop is, is cool. And so you're talking about how somebody would say, you know, make a comment like it was your first time out there. Yeah. And you're like, no, I've actually been out there. <laughs> yeah. Because even somebody else made a comment to me, and I was like, um, "They were they said this is your uh, your second loop," <laughs> and I was saying, "Yeah, second time on this this loop, yeah, like on green." <laughs> but they didn't catch that part, yeah. so they you know. Yeah, so. I had one guy on the yellow loop on my last on my last yellow loop, and I think I I think I saw him hanging around our tent area, so I feel like. He knew we were an mm-hmm. ultra team because he was around our tent area and we were kind of, our team kind of would start at the same time as his because I would see him around and um, he was coming up the yellow loop and I was coming up the yellow loop for my second time. And he made a comment as he, uh, as he was running past me and he was like, you know, good job runner. Uh, you're, this is your last time on the yellow loop, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is so yeah, the first yeah, person that acknowledged that. that. Yeah. yeah. Other than other than this one girl that was a spectator, I was coming in through the finish. She saw my blue bib, and she was like, yeah, go runner. And then she saw my blue bib, and she was like, yeah, ultra runner. And then she even started like cheering even louder. And she was like, yeah, crush it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> 
So that is there's crazy. Like two people. I never noticed a single other person running. You never noticed the. I didn't know that the bibs were different oh, at okay. first. So, but uh, yeah, I never noticed, and nobody ever said anything to me. Yeah. Noting that I was an ultra runner. Yeah, because I I didn't see that many blue bibs. I know um, Kathleen's husband, who was there, kind of riding his bike around like the courses and stuff, <laughs> said that. He ran into a few ultra runners. There wasn't that many of them. Mm. There was one ultra team, though, that was just two people. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, there, so there was just one ultra team that was just two people. And he did, he, by the time we were finished, he didn't know if they had already finished. Mm. I almost feel like it was the people behind us mm. that had, like, weird random people coming in and out of their camp. All night because it didn't seem to be the same people all night. Um, but I also didn't notice the ultra bibs. A mm. lot of a lot of women with the ultra bibs, but a lot of ultra bibs in general, I didn't see. Mm. Yeah, crazy. So it's, it'll be interesting to see. Like, yeah, results. do they? Will they post results? I think so. I mean, they have results for every other year. Yeah. I, I don't see why they wouldn't have results for this year. So. And they did say that they, um, something happened to the, apparently ultras get a different medal. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, we didn't, we, we actually got half of the regular medal. <laughs> yeah. And we're supposed to get those mailed in. So yeah. Not sure what those will be. Typically in the past, it's always been some sort of, multi-tool or something that yeah. kind of um like when the year i did it it was like a kind of like a spork type thing mm-hmm. um and, and you, you take basically uh eight slivers of metal and mm-hmm. you put them all together and they say something across mm-hmm. all of them jars is a bottle opener yeah it's a weird <laughs> bottle opener though yeah it's a big square but there's why like would a i sliver? use this big square for a bottle opener uh, it's a weird shape for a bottle of Who knows? But it was fun. I yeah. do an ultra again, I think. I, I did enjoy it. I, I'm glad that I felt bad enough after the red loop to slow down. Yeah. Because I enjoyed the last three loops a lot more, mm-hmm. just taking my, my time instead of trying to push. And, uh, you know, this is something I've talked about. Like, I think my competitive side would love to really push really hard as possible and do some amazing things. But my body, fortunately, uh, you know, I'm not the only person like this. Some other yeah. people deal with things too. You know, you, you have to take what uh, your body can handle and, uh, my body can't handle pushing so hard that I get dehydrated. And yeah. so just going slower, I think is good for me. And, uh, I really did enjoy the, uh, yellow, green, yellow, Green, yellow, and red the second time more so than the first time, mm-hmm. even though I was more wore out. But so. looking at all of our times, we all of us stayed. Yeah, it wasn't a drastic difference. It wasn't. Like, I, I thought I thought our night loops would be a little bit slower than our day loops. but and it Mine were, but it wasn't But it wasn't a crazy. huge difference. Yeah, it wasn't a huge difference. Like, like maybe 10 minutes. Yeah, like WTM, you see the progression oh, yeah. of, oh yeah, these are night ops loops and these, <laughs> you know, these are getting more into the day and mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, our, our, our loops stayed pretty consistent. Even though we only had to run each loop twice, 
I think that was enough. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. By the time I was done, I was excited to be done. Yeah. Which is crazy because 50K, we've we've both run 50Ks just mm-hmm. straight straight on. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever felt this. It was the daggone heat, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was. That, I'd that say it was a temperature swing, not just the heat. But like, I liked swing. running in the cold felt better, but dealing with the cold when you were not running right. was not fun. Because your body's trying to, like, make up. And, and then running in the warm. heat was not fun, but hanging out when it was warmer yeah. just in the tent area was nicer. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just the swing was so crazy. Which is weird because I'm like, I'm sunburned, but it got down to 40 <laughs> degrees last night, and I was wrapped up in a dry robe. <laughs> yeah. And during the day, it was, what, 75? Yeah. I mean, Come on. That's That's so weird. So weird. And, like, the fact that there was no coverage and some of the loops were very much so pavement Mm -hmm. didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Ragnar was was fun. I had a good time. It's fun. Definitely a lot of fun. Kathleen kind of made me a little teary-eyed whenever she finished up her last loop. And she was like, yay, Anna, thank you for making me feel like an athlete again. And I was like, oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so, she, like, gave me a big hug. And I was like, oh, man. I was definitely, like, a little watery-eyed as I was finishing up my last loop. I was like, oh, that was so sweet. So Kathleen turned 50 yes. on Friday. Yes. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> so for her 50th birthday, she did the <laughs> Ragnar Ultra and um which she didn't she mentioned it to me later whenever you were on your loop she was like i I forgot to mention this to jason but whenever you asked me to do ragnar ultra i thought you made a typo and you meant ultra (laughs) and you wanted yeah you wanted me to do a ragnar with the rest of your running shoe buddies yeah (laughs) (laughs) and whenever i went back and reread the message and she was like oh no she means ultra (laughs) but she didn't want to tell us because she had already committed yeah yeah and and so she didn't tell me until she was done yeah she told me that yeah and she's like i didn't want anybody to know because i didn't want y'all to think that i was like sandbagging and like (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about? You were faster the than The fastest one on the team. <laughs> so for her 50th birthday, yeah, so she's been doing this competitive stuff all of her life. You know, yeah. I'm not even, not quite 40 yet. Mm-hmm. You're not 40 yet. Mm-hmm. So just like, we're doing all this competitive stuff, but at some point, you know, could you can do it forever, sure, mm-hmm. but at some point you might move on to something else. So it yeah. was cool to see how she had been doing this for so long yeah. that she isn't really doing anything competitive now. Mm-hmm. And so for her to come back and do something like this where she can push herself, mm-hmm. how many I mean, how many times has she pushed herself yeah. already in life? Yeah. And she just hadn't done it for a while. So to get to do it again was yeah. really cool. The stories that she's told me, though, like I just off the top of my head, she was traveling to this triathlon and they were driving and something happened to her bike. And so last minute, like 11th hour before the triathlon starts, she has to go rent a bike (laughs) from a bike store. 
not even the bike that she was training on and then like she ends up getting like second place in her age group or something something crazy like that or like running uh whenever uh she lived in africa with her and her husband lived in africa for six months and so she got to do the mount kilimanjaro marathon yeah Yeah, with uh with like all these fast kenyan and tanzanian and that's right runners yeah so her husband's name was Ben, and he, both of them were just so excited to be there. Yeah. It was awesome because, I don't know, I mean, I guess we do enough of the stuff that we're just like, so used all right, to it. it's time, it's yeah. another race weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're excited, but like their excitement I, topped ours. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was really cool to see them, how excited they were for her to get to do that. Like yeah. he was so supportive yeah. of all of us, but yeah. you, especially for her. So yeah, he was telling the story about being uh, doing a half marathon at mm-hmm. Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. So he did the half marathon, and then there's also a marathon where you go up and then you go down. And so he was talking about watching all the you know running with all the fastest runners in the world. You see them just bombing their way down <laughs> whenever you're still working your way up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they're already like just like flying down and, the mountain. And he's doing a half and they're doing a full. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's amazing like the stories that she has and it's I and like he had mentioned I don't know if you had heard him mention it like like she hadn't she hadn't competed in so long like he felt like she needed it just mm. for like her soul needed it, you know, like yeah. that's what she needed it to, she needed it to be like, I don't know, feel fulfilled or something. Not necessarily like her happiness, but like her happy place. Yeah. It was, you know? it was, it was good uh, timing for her. I think Yeah, she yeah. was pumped about being yeah. there. Especially with everything because I think she had mentioned she qualified for Boston last year and then she had planned to go in 2020, but of course Boston never happened. And then like, who knows if Boston is going to happen again this year. So she's like, well, what do I do? You know? Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, she's amazing. She's a badass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Jeff held his own. Yeah. Especially with the he, asthma at altitude, and he and, said he was getting some some like stomach and side cramps and stuff. Yeah, and you know, all of us slowed down a little bit. Eleven maybe, hour drive. Maybe Kathleen barely, but uh, yeah. um, but he definitely he didn't he didn't complain. I had to ask yeah. him how are you feeling. Mm-hmm. He never complained about it himself. Yeah. He never brought it up himself. Yeah, and uh, and he just stuck with it, and and everybody like. We never had a time where somebody came in from a loop and, mm-hmm. the per- and the next person wasn't ready. Yeah. Like we were, you know, besides Kathleen making that one mistake, we were <laughs> spot on the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. I feel like though they, they fixed that after after those first people went out on that yellow loop. So there was something different to it? I think so. Mm-hmm. Because I think there was a volunteer there or there was an extra sign there mm-hmm. or something. Because she said, she mentioned something about there being signage where she huh. took a wrong turn. And because the second time that she did it, she was like, I don't know how I, how I missed that turn because mm-hmm. there was signage there. Cause you know, it was, I felt like the course was pretty well marked yeah. because 
if a if part of the trail forked a little bit, immediately they had a wrong way sign. Yeah. And then they had the arrow signs showing you which way to go. So she said that the second time around, she was like, I don't know how I missed it because I feel like there was like a whole bunch of, <laughs> a, like there was an, an extra sign somewhere. That yeah. She just maybe, I don't know, they either added in or she must have missed like the first time. So <laughs> in either case. Yeah. She still finished seven miles on that loop in the same time that we finished our four and a half. Yes, we (laughs) we did 120 miles, 122 miles in um, 26 hours in 16, 17 minutes, something like that. So it was was a good time, a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I feel like we should wrap this up before I fall asleep. (laughs) Um. If you if you do need to if I don't I don't really know where to put the Inya in here because <laughs> we've we, we've we've talked for over two and a half hours about races like it's been you know we haven't really gone off topic we actually yeah. did a pretty good job of just covering what we talked to say where we we're going to cover after four years of doing episodes yeah we finally stay on topic um, <laughs> but uh, if you do need some Inya go look at the highlights for our Instagram. <laughs> Um, you have to look at the, the highlights because it's yeah. it's in there for the Ragnar. Yeah. Uh, Instagram has the little music that you can add, and apparently, I mean, I guess it's Instagram's owned by Facebook, so Facebook's got access to a lot of stuff. And, yeah. Um. So yeah, any songs on there? I feel um, like you should tack it on to the end. <laughs> yes. Yes, I should. <laughs> I don't know how to wrap this up. I, it's like the end of an era. We, we've been doing this for crazy. four years now. And it's not, that, it's not that we are like, I'm tired of doing this. And that's, I, there's a little bit of that. But <laughs> it's, uh, I, I feel like what I set out to accomplish, which was to create um, different different conversations than what was already being had has been done. Like what I set out to accomplish got, got, it got done. Mm -hmm. And how many two person conversation style shows are there now? Not many. Before us, it was just obstacle dominator was the only one that I can think of that was not a different uh, interview. Mm-hmm. It wasn't interview style. Okay. Because yeah. you had now they did interview people, mm-hmm. but you had Ben Greenfield and Hunter McIntyre mm-hmm. talking to each other. So they were the only one that I could think of that was like that. And then it was Benny and Hunter. Yeah. So then we did it, but now you've got Matt and Josh. You've got um, uh, shoot. Even Kirk and Bracken. Kirk, Kirk, mm-hmm. Kirk and Bracken. Um, the guy, uh, Dave, sorry, Dave Claxton and his, uh, female co-host and Mm -hmm. his male co-host before that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's, you know, four examples right there already that are doing, and and that's not including the, yep, Brociar Supercast, same thing. Um, so that's six and then you've got, uh, OCR audio in, Mm -hmm. in the UK. 
Um, so there's definitely the space that we look to fill has been filled. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we're saying, uh, you know, we won't be recording next week or the week after, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is a break. Uh, we're not looking to like just shut down the whole OCR talk and make it not a thing anymore. But um, I don't know when we'll yeah. ever record again. So um, it could be sooner rather than we think right now, mm-hmm. but it may not be. There's just no plan for yeah. it going forward other than to put our efforts into that live broadcast and stuff. We're just leaving ourselves open for more opportunity down the road. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing is, I, just, I don't feel bad about leaving it as is because that space is filled. Yeah. So thank you for listening for four years. I can't believe it's been four years. It is I mean, weird. It just, it just feels like it's, it was like yesterday. <laughs> 2017? Yeah. 2017, that was the year. While I did a bunch of races in 2015, mm-hmm. 2016 was the year that I feel like I really like broadened my horizon with the obstacle racing scene. Mm-hmm. 2016 was when I learned... Actually, 2015, the end of 2015 was when I learned about World's Toughest. Mm-hmm. And during 2016, I also learned about OCR Worlds. And uh, and when, the second I learned about both of those, I was like, I want to do both of those. <laughs> and so that was 2016 was my year of, um, like, I'm going to be serious. I'm going to train hard. I want to try and compete at these races. Mm-hmm. And I did World's Toughest, and I got 50 miles. And I did OCR Worlds and didn't fail any obstacles. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the next year is when it was like, all right. I mean, that was towards the end of, was it beginning of that year? Shoot. I No, yeah, it was beginning of 2017 because I remember it was towards the beginning of that season. Okay. Yeah, so it was like right after that. I was like. And that was like my big I'm traveling in. Let's, year. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> that was my stuff. big traveling year to where like I wanted to do all the Spartans yeah. and all the CCGs <laughs> and all, all the races and. Yeah, it was quite the expensive year <laughs> for me. <laughs> Is that what yep. you got to say, dog? Yep. That was her coming to <laughs> <laughs> So we are going to call this and, uh, you know, at some point I'm going to put up this very long episode. And I do hope you enjoyed it. And there was no real... Rhyme a reason to this episode. We just uh, wanted to cover what we have been doing lately and all the races because there has been, you know, those several and we haven't gotten to it. And that's the way it's going to go. We're just going to not get to it anymore because it's not because we've got other focuses. So we're hoping to continue to make OCR better through what we the work we do with the OCR report and uh, particularly the live streaming but um, we're growing in the OCR report in all sorts of different ways. Mm-hmm. So thanks again. Anything else you'd like to add? I don't know. I feel like we should have highlights from all of our. <laughs> I'm way too tired to do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
just to, for it to be on the record here, yeah. my watch, uh, while I <laughs> took naps in between laps, I think, my watch says I did not sleep last night at all. So... It also said your training load was low or something. That was like weird. That. What what is going on, Koros? <laughs> My training training load low after after twenty six hours of racing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Thanks everybody for sticking with us throughout the years and uh yeah. Don't know when we'll Talk to you again soon, but... If if you want more of this, just go to the OCR report. Yeah. That's where it will be. Yep. Bye.
Declan, you want to say hello? No. Bye.